When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Today we are going to be remembering great left fielders and not so great left fielders in Cubs history. Mike, how are you? It's thrilled to be back. It's been a while. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, so we, um, you can go to the archives and you can, every Cub team from 1980, 80? Is that when we started? Yeah. Why do I not remember? 1980. Uh, yeah, I guess it is 80. Uh, yep. To, to uh, 2011. Uh, 11, yes. Every season is chronicled. And now we're going to do every position. And we've already done, the only one we've done so far is center fielders. Uh, I, exhaustive... I feel like we did catchers because when we had uh, Frank, when we had Frank on for the very special look at the 77 Cubs. Mm hmm. Uh, he all he wanted to talk about was uh, catchers. We've had quite a few digressions, but yeah, we'll we'll probably should probably have Frank back because that's he, uh, he's, a, a he's sub- already subject. said when we talk about catchers. Yes, he wants near to and dear him. to his heart. So we will have him on for that. That's uh, yeah, I'm down with that. I um, uh, I the center field uh, discussion was edifying. I mean, we basically I went to bed that night realizing that. Like in the team photo was a guy from 1897, Jimmy Ryan. What was it? Like Jimmy Ryan, Hack Wilson, um, uh, Dexter Fowler, Andy Pafko, and maybe Rick Monday. It was like a weird hodgepodge of some guys were just there for a while, like Monday. Uh, some guys were like Dexter that played on a World Series and just maximized it. And they're just, even though they're just there for two years. And then you know it was uh, it was really a stretch to find like a top five. So hopefully it won't be as challenging when we turn our attention to left. No, I mean field. the Cubs have have Hall of Fame left fielders. So yeah, this will be much better. <laughs> Although at the end, if we try to do like a top five, you're gonna run. It's the list is pretty top heavy, and then it kind of disintegrates. Well, and I think we should probably preface this all just by having a, a quick so just a. a, a a reminder, just a, of the context of the left field position, which I find a, a bit amusing itself, because it, it is being the best left fielder would would kind of it's kind of a world's tallest. Which I always I always got a kick out of Barry Bonds, and this is you know Barry Bonds is one of the all time greatest hitters, most productive players. But even long before he you know blew up and became the stratosphere player, he was always on a trajectory of being a Hall of Fame. Player is great hitter, uh, base runner, early you know, 30 30 guy. But I used to laugh how in the early 90s, like he, you know, and he wouldn't, he was, he was obnoxious, whatever. He's kind of a spoiled kid growing up, but like he wanted to be known as the world's greatest left fielder. And I just, it, it always makes me laugh because he's a great player. But like, honestly, the fact is, um, Barry, if he was really that great of a left fielder, he'd be. A right fielder or a center fielder. Yeah. Guy couldn't even throw out Sid Bream in the 92 
National League Championship Series. So, uh, and one last thought, if you actually want to take that discussion seriously, because you can say, well, the best left fielder is still like the 784th best outfielder if you're at least talking defense, uh, I would say Ricky Henderson would be a better left fielder than Barry anyway. So, um, but it is an odd position that is oftentimes just, you know, where you put the guy that can't do anything. There are certain things right fielders can do that center fielders can't. You know, you think of guys like Clemente and Ichiro, they probably could have played center, but they were better and right. Generally, center fielders are your best outfielders, but oftentimes it could be a right fielder, but no team's left fielder is ever that team's best outfielder. I think that's pretty much uh, Unless, agreed upon. I mean, one of these guys way before our time, the other guy only played for part of the time we were aware. The Red Sox, two pretty good left fielders. Yes. Ted Williams and Yaz. And did they play well, left I'm- because of the monster? Or because was neither one of them could play any defense. I don't know. Was Williams a left field? I thought Williams was a right fielder, but I also I thought Ted was a I thought Ted was a left fielder. Either way, I have heard that Williams was a very disinterested defensive. I mean, let's face it, Williams is all about hitting. I don't think he was about base running. I don't think he was about bunting. I don't think he, he was I mean, well, not hitting, batting, I should say, because he'd take a walk. I, I don't know. Um, it's pretty close with Ted. He only of the two thousand one hundred fifty-one games he played in the bigs, he only played one thousand nine hundred eighty-two of them in left. And so he was a left fielder. He played one hundred sixty-nine okay. in right. So I does that. Count? Uh, then I'm way off. Good for you. Right, my bad. I I gotta recalibrate that in my own brain. But yeah, points stands. I don't know how good of an outfielder. I've heard that he was kind of he was disinterested. I don't know how good yet. I mean, again. Does that make them just because they played left? I mean, they were left fielders, but and I don't mean to like the minute. I, I love Jastrzemski. He was one of the early sort of Titans that we were aware of when we were kids. Um, and I can't believe we haven't made a Hawk Harrelson joke yet. But Carl won um, seven gold gloves. Okay. All right. And you know what? Yeah. All right. So certainly exceptions will abound. And I'm thinking about how with the Green Monster and whatnot. Uh, there's, you know, there's, you know, you almost have to be a bit of a pool player, like to, you know, well, take the angles wondered, a little bit more. If, if they're the exception, because yeah, well, maybe because of their fucked up I left field, they're like, you know what, we got to put yeah. somebody, you know, I, okay, I mean, Ian have to kill himself if he had to play every day in left field. Can you imagine him yeah. sliding into the wall twelve times a game? Well, They'd have to put yeah, airbags I, on him. And I know that this guy was not on like the seventy-five, certainly not in the sixty-seven Red Sox, and maybe not seventy-five. But I recall Dwight Evans being considered like like a, he got like a dude who had like a rifle for an arm in right field. So I don't know, but you're right. I mean, Yaz was still playing left in his prime. So I think that to your point, maybe they're hey they put the better outfielder there. I don't know. There's probably a lot that goes into it. I, I'm I, obviously we can allow for nuance, but generally, you know, it's kind of where you hide a guy. Yeah, I mean, unless you know, sometimes you can't hide him. Like Julio Zaleta. Yeah, Todd Huntley. Oh, Adam Dunn. Yeah, on the other side, because I will say that he is the only major leaguer that I will ever think of who I can recall ever seeing like not catch more than one fly ball, like kind of hit right to him. <laughs> like on more than one occasion, I would just see him not catch a ball, which you, you know you just don't see that for most outfielders. Uh, the Reds tried to hide Yonder Alonso out there, and Tony Campan ended up with his only career home run. As a result, and, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you're, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you could really be calm. And that's the thing. It's You're already sort of a, a dubious, you know, maybe defensive player, and you're there. So a lot of polarity. I mean, uh, I think we, we know, though, the Cubs, they, they put Dave Kingman in because he's such a great outfielder. That's why he played left. <laughs> That's when I uh, that's when I say a cue to Dave Wikipedia's or Dave Kingman's Wikipedia photo. It's like looks like some last known photo of some dude trying to just be could not be more disinterested in playing the outfield. But uh, yeah, Kingman was a left fielder, of course. Kevin Kingman was drafted, I think, possibly as a pitcher. He was just a super freak athlete because you know he was six eight and he was also a basketball player, but. Well, see, I, I late in his life, I became friends with uh, former NIU basketball coach John McDougal. And he, as we were talking, he told me that he uh, he coached Dave Kingman in junior high basketball. And he said, I've yeah. never, he goes, I goes, I got to tell you, I, um, I always, I always did my best to like the kids who played for me. I could not pull that off with Dave Kingman. Even as a seventh grader, he was such a prick. The Can you imagine? didn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> he also played basketball at uh, Evansville, and I uh, John not the Dave. university John the, yeah. the purple ace. And I asked him if he got if he got to wear the short sleeve uniforms, and he said no. He said I I was there long enough ago. That we uh, oh. we actually had tank tops because I remember when Marty Simmons transferred there from Indiana. Oh they had boy! Like, wow. They had like, but when we played, that's like what the girls' basketball team wore. They wore like short sleeve. Shirts. Evansville was wearing short sleeve basketball. That's shirts. hilarious. Uh, would McDougal have played with Jerry Sloan? Or was it? Yeah. I don't know. He went mm. to Evansville? Yeah. Jerry was a purple ace. Supposedly, Evansville has one of those tragic stories like the Marshall football team. Yeah. And one of the alternate histories is that a young Jerry Sloan, I guess it was in the seventies, supposedly almost became, would have been their basketball coach, like and decided not to do it, something like that. So, how's that for a non sequitur? Yep, that's good. Uh, all right, so I, I spoiled this. I already asked you right before we started if you knew who the very first left fielder in the Chicago. I do now. I don't even know why we would classify it because they weren't in the National League yet and they weren't the Cubs. What year? 1876? Stockings. 1876. Yeah. First left fielder for the Cubs. This guy, amazing that this guy accomplished all of this in his life. He was a senator from the state of Ohio. He was the first man, Mm -hmm. first American to orbit the earth. And he was the Mm -hmm. first left fielder for the Chicago White White Stockings. John Glenn. Might not. And yeah. I think about it, it might not be the same Jacqueline. Who 120 years later flew into space again. Let's see. He was born in uh, 1850. Does that sound right for the astronaut? He would have been like, a, um, he would have been 113 when he orbited. He was feeling pretty, the Honorable Senator Glenn was feeling pretty old, old towards the end. Oh, but... It says here he died in 1870. No, he died in 1888. He was only 38. Wow. Was it uh, typhoid? No, so I guess it can't be the same John Glenn then. He hit, he hit 304 with a 333 on base and a 351 slug. He hit um, uh, he hit one homer in his career, and it wasn't that year. John Glenn. 
But are we signifying on, on the list of uh, great Cub left fielders? Yes. Well, I, yeah, I was wondering, are we signifying him because he's the first ever, or is he the first of the ones we're going to go through? In which case, let me charge my no, phone. No, he's just the first okay. ever. Yeah, we're also going to talk. How about this? In the 1878, Cap Anson played left field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably because there were like you know Negroes sitting in the in the in the stands down the left field line, and Cap had to uh, have a safe heart. You know, funny thing, real quick. This is going to sound crazy. Uh, left field, the position. So uh, I'm going to try to. This might be half bullshit, half apocryphal. So I'm going to throw it out there anyway. But it might, might as well bring it out in this particular podcast. Cubs moved into Wrigley Field in 19 uh, whatever, 14 or 16. But prior to that, they played at Westside Grounds, which was kind of near where, like, the present-day University of Illinois Chicago is, not too far from St. Ignatius. Like, Polk and Wolcott would be the intersection, like, near Southwest Side. Anyway, um, supposedly, and this is where it sounds absolute fucking apocryphal, the expression coming out of left field would, you know, to signify that someone is just talking out of their ass or crazy, uh, is has an etymology that dates to West Side grounds where the Cubs played one World Series in 0708 because that uh, ballpark where they played at abutted a mental asylum that happened to be <laughs> beyond the left field wall. So now I will say that the Cubs were not playing in West Side grounds in 1876. I mean, no. they would have moved in probably 1880s or 90s, but anyway, uh, relevant to the topic that uh if it's true and i'm willing to concede that it might absolutely not be but i've heard it more than one occasion that that's where the etymology for that expression comes from for as um for as storied as the cubs franchise is they've had some really good left fielders they uh, they haven't had very many left fielders who not it's not as as uh, extreme as center but who kept the position for a long time but the first guy to nail it down was from 1879 to 1886 was, of course, your favorite player, Abner Dalrymple. And Abner, period, yeah, absolutely. Abner had three, three war seasons in the 1880s. Abner was getting it done. Oh, yeah. Did Abner have a mustache like everybody else back then? Yeah, right? Even the even yeah, the, yeah, even the, yeah, the real. in the 1880s. He did, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next guy to have uh, a, a nice string of seasons was uh, was Walt Wilmot from 1891-1895. Uh, but then when, when the Cubs decided to get serious, they uh, they decided to have uh, they play a guy named Jimmy in left field. Not Jimmy Ryan, our, our beloved center well, fielder from around the same time. Take a look at 1898 and 1899. Oh, I see. With a 4.3 war. Look at that. So the first three Cub players and left fielders to have uh, wars of uh, of better than four: Jimmy Ryan, eighteen ninety eight; Jimmy Slagle, nineteen o two; and Jimmy Sheckard, nineteen eleven. Jimmy's Jimmy. Jimmy's like the Seinfeld episode. Jimmy's getting right. excited. He refer to themselves in the third person. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Checkered somehow played that... from Checkered played on the three World Series teams in a, in a row. Yes, six, seven, and eight, and ten. The, what, what, one thing I just want to point out to the absolute versatility of our friend Jimmy Ryan, who has already been discussed, believe it or not, a pre twentieth century player because he actually is ended up being in our top five center fielders. But in that whole period between eighteen nineties, basically eighteen nineties, he was their leading center fielder, left fielder, and right fielder, according to Baseball Reference, at various at various seasons, but some time each. So Jimmy was getting it. What, what a guy! So Sheckard, see, that's one of the few like uh, tinkers that ever is chance era Cubs. I can't even, I've never heard of. Of course, he's a left fielder. He's, you know, when I'm talking wildfire, Schulte. Well, now I'm glad you brought up wildfire because did you know, do you know how he got his nickname? I do not. He set the Cubs original baseball stadium on fire. No, he didn't do that. He, he got his nickname because he had the hots for an actress named Lillian Russell. And he and some of his name. teammates with the Cubs. Were they the Cubs by then? Yeah, they were the Cubs by the time he was there. Yeah, by then, yeah. Went yeah. to see her in a play named Wildfire. Is that right? And he named, he had racehorses. And he named one of his racehorses Wildfire. All and right. The, the Chicago <laughs> newspaper guys found out and started calling him. Wildfire. I love it. Now, the uh, the thing I read didn't get into it, but uh, there's a good chance that Frank uh, has worker, carnal, worker? got carnal knowledge of Lillian Russell because that, ah, Lillian Lillian married four times, had several affairs, uh, got knocked up <laughs> before. Was unmarried, was a single mom back in the early 1900s, which was you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Frank, all right, I like that. That works. Um, that uh, that that's three. It probably was, and that's a well-earned nickname then too, because it wasn't just like he was getting red. He was just some weirdo, delusional that like you know brought flowers down to like the State Lake Theater or whatever, and you know, and then got snubbed. Yeah. No, he actually made moves, got in, and I mean, know, I would showed, guess the way it really it, happened is right, Frank. Frank and some of the guys went to see Lillian in a play. Frank took Lillian uh, <clears throat> out, told yes. the guys, and they started calling him Wildfire. And then uh, yes. the racehorse thing was reverse engineered. But that that's might why work. He got called and wildfire. I think, yeah, but I think it's more than credible that yeah, he he did it. Kid probably did have some carnal knowledge mm-hmm. when you kind of look at the whole thing. Good for you, Frank Schulte. The other thing he's known for, he stole home twenty-two times in his career. Love it. So he Ty Cobb. Big, 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 uh, big abductors of home. Now, he only played left for two years for the Cubs, 14 and 15, but he was replaced oh, by a that. guy with an unfortunate name. Les Man. Oh, man. Oh, that's... <laughs> Especially in those days. Especially <laughs> in those man. days, right? Yeah. Oh, your daddy didn't think much of you. And then this is odd. A, a guy who later would pitch for the Cubs. I didn't know. Dave Robertson was a two-way player. He played left field in 1920. And then right. in uh, 22, he pitched for the Cubs. 1920. Just like John Glenn, he reappears. Yeah. How did he do yeah. it? 1921, a guy named Turner Barber. Kind of a cool name. Very 2021 name. Yeah. And then the Cubs had a hack in 22 and 23. 
But it wasn't Hack Wilson, it was but, Hack Miller. Or, it was not Hack Wilson, nor was it Stan Hack. Yeah. Denver okay. Grigsby, 1924. Uh, Art John, 1925. But from 1926 to 1933, you get to one of the best left fielders in baseball. Hell yeah. Not I can, just Cubs uh, history, I can, baseball history. Yeah. I can see my dad smiling down. This player much too uh, before my dad's time. So even this is now secondhand because my grandfather apparently a big fan of this guy. Baseball Hall of Famer, Riggs Stevenson. Dude could hit. What do you think his real name was? Oh, boy. Uh, Was it Charlie? His name was was Jackson Riggs Stevenson. But his nickname was Old Hoss. Is he from the South? That sounds like a Southern thing. He's from Akron, Alabama. Damn. And he he retired to Tuscaloosa. Okay. Uh, thirty-two point. Not a Hall of Famer, though. Actually, you were, you were incorrect there. I wasn't correct. Well, he should be. I'm gonna make it my life's work. Eh, thirty-two point seven more. He's not even in the Harold Baines Hall of Fame, but he'd be one of those guys that even you know, two generations removed, I would hear about Stevenson and Kai Kai Kyler and Hack Wilson and uh, and Stan Hack eventually from those uh, those are those great Cubs teams that we've he, talked uh, about. He only his uh, career batting average was only three thirty-six. Yeah. And how about this? He played nine years for the Cubs and five years for the Indians. His his career batting average for the Cubs, 336. His career batting average for the Indians, 337. Ooh. Look at that. Almost a, consistency. Almost a Stan Musial type thing. He he bat, he he played for 14 years. He hit 300 or better the first 13 seasons. He only hit 216 yep. his last year with the Cubs. Led the league I, in doubles yeah. in 1927 with 46. He had an OPS of over a thousand in 1929 on a World Series team. Led the oh. league in intentional walks. They were afraid of Riggs, either that or the guy behind him was sucked. He was on another World Series team where he had a lower OPS at 8.6, but he finished fifth in MVP voting in 32, the year of Roost called shot. Yeah, in the 29 World Series uh, against the A's, he hit 3.16, and in the in the in that Yankees World Series, he hit 444. Man. All right. Well, I think we have a leader in the clubhouse. Move over Wildfire. No, it wasn't Wildfire. It was. Uh, it was yeah, yeah. Jimmy Shepard. Yeah. He had from been the, from the early. Best. All right. So basically, if you just show up and you can just, you know, if you're an everyday left fielder on a, on a perennial pennant contender, and that gets you in so far because, uh, you know, the Cubs history, of course, we have a couple different eras of success. It sounds, un- you know, unlikely by today's standards, but there's Shepard on those teams that win pennants 06, 07, 08, 19, 10, and a little bit of a gap. And then the Renaissance with Bill Beck Sr. leading it. And uh, there's Riggs just installed the left, going to World Series every three years. All right. Now, if Riggs wasn't a Hall of Famer, the guy who replaced him in left field was. Oh. The next year, okay, the, Cubs, the-, the Cubs traded for Chuck Klein. So, Hall of Famer, but not because of his work with the Cubs. Oh. And he'll be the first of a few, by the way, but yes. I don't know. Chuck Klein, who... Three years that? with the Cubs, he had 297 with 336 on base of 497. Yeah. Like, that probably got um, in the hall. 
just a historical anecdote, Chuck Klein, it would be the kind of a poster boy of a guy that absolutely benefited from a uh, favorable conditions in his ballpark, which apparently was the Baker Bowl. I guess they had an obnoxiously short fortune, right? Oh. And the Phillies were terrible, but Chuck Klein, I think, was he? He was the last uh he was the last something I thought, nineteen thirty or nineteen thirty is the year that the entire National League at 300, but like Chuck Klein had some inflated numbers. And so, of course, by the time he shows up to the Cubs. So he gets traded to the Cubs. Let's see, who do you get traded for? He got he traded for, for, I have a feeling the Phillies needed some money. He got traded to the Cubs for Harvey Hendrick, Ted, Cl- Ted Klein Haas, Mark Koenig, and $65,000, which in 1933 wow. was like yeah, yeah, yeah. like a billion dollars. Because, And here were his stats his last year with the Phillies. Right, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the, the, they, he was 28 years old. He led the National League in hits with 223, doubles with 44, homers with 28, RBIs with 120. He, he uh, So let's see. So he won the Triple Crown. Because he he won the batting title at 368, he slugged 422. His or he, uh, um, his on base was 422. He slugged 602. His OPS was 1025. He led the league in OPS plus, but they didn't know what that was, and in total bases. And he was the runner-up MVP. Yeah, that's that's the other thing I noticed. How does all that to, black ink, all that bold, all those bold stats, left to right? And he's not the MVP in in thirty three. The MVP was Carl Hubble. Yeah, it. Carl Hubble. I just popped in my head. Um, that this is a, an incredible stat that we've just a fact I should say that we've come across because that was the season after which he was. But what the hell happened to Chuck Klein? Like, was he banging? Was he? Is he like the Dave Martin? Like, but he was the he was the superstar. Like, there's nobody else better in Philly. So how did, like, what did he do? You're right. Philly must have been, but that is so, that is so, that is so vulgar. You can't be that cash strapped to do that. Well, oh my God. He, so he played for the Cubs 34, 35 in the beginning of 36. And then he got traded back to the back. Phillies. I see that. Yeah. For Ethan wow. Allen, furniture maker and yeah. Kurt Davis. Okay. And then, uh, he never could quite recapture. He was a productive player for the Cubs. He was. I might be. Oh, he was all star yeah, thirty four. He had career. one. Yeah, but they probably maybe thought I'm being they were getting like, oh, this guy's gonna hit. You know, right? Well, maybe. Really. Maybe it was the Park effect then too, right? Like maybe that's. Well, and Philly team. had a lot. I mean, he was a good player, obviously. And Philly had. Yeah, I mean, he very led the, few in playing players. in Philly. He led the league in home runs four out of five years. Um, yeah. He won the. He led him led the nationally in slugging three consecutive seasons. He he did slug five ten for the Cubs his first year there. Also, I see that he was the MVP in thirty two. So it was like they didn't want to give it to him again, which was stupid. Yeah, That's was an second, incredible second, season. He was fourth in thirty, second in thirty one, wow. first in thirty two, and then second again in thirty three. And he That's never, an interesting career. Yeah, he never. He played for another eleven seasons. Yeah, and he never he was, shows he up was, on uh, the MVP roster no, again. No, and there's no more bold. Nope. Uh, he doesn't lead the league in anything. Interesting. Wow. I'd like to learn more about that someday. I'll have to head down to my local library. Oh. Um, wow. Chuck Klein. All right. Chuck Klein's in the accounted for. 
So 35. Chuck's gone. You got a, got a hand. Or he's, he's still there, I think, but not playing. Yeah, he moved to right field. So the Cubs left fielder was Augie. Is it Galan? Yep, I believe so. Galan. Yeah. Augie Galan. And Augie had a big year. Uh, let's see. What year was this? Like looking. 35. Um, well, he was there for four out of five years. The furniture maker had popped in in between. Yes. Augie moved to right for one year, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Augie had a nice little run. Um, well, not after Riggs Stevenson. Riggs Riggs no. set the mold. We're there. We're there's a we're headed towards even by left field standards some mediocrity. Names we recognize though. Okay, so Augie has like a couple of notable firsts in Major League history. He switched really? early. In 1937, he became the first player in Major League history to homer from both sides of the plate in the same game. Interesting. But this is even more interesting. What he did in 1935. He was the first player to have as many as 649 plate appearances without hitting into a double play. Oh. But he did hit into a triple play. Wow. Yes. In 1941, the Cubs traded him to the Dodgers on August 26th for Mace Brown. Yeah, who gave up the, the pitch to Gabby Harden in yes. 38 in the homer of the Glowman. Yep, Mace never pitched for the Cubs. Must have said, fuck it, I'm not going to pitch for you guys. Well, and I wonder if Augie Gillan would have played in that 41 World Series for the Dodgers against the Yankees, but I digress. Um, so he was a decent player then, actually. It's a name that I've heard of. Yeah. It like makes me think of my dad, because I know now we're getting to the era where both of our dads are like like starting to... You, you seem like Lou Novikov up yeah. there and Dim Dom D'Alessandro. Um, Mace... So I looked. I had to look up, figure out why Mace never pitched for the Cubs. I didn't find that answer, but uh, they did have a thing about the home run the Gloman. Mace said he has all, always believed that uh, Gabby did hit it into the seats. You know, there's there was a dispute. The Pirates claimed that it wasn't really a it, that it didn't go out. It was just too dark. But it bounced. The umps thought oh, did it, it bounce onto the field. Umps thought it hit in the bleachers and bounced onto the field. The Pirates always before. claimed that it hit the wall, but Mace said he hit it too hard. It was a home run. Mace also said it was too dark. There's no way Gabby saw it. He must have hit it by sound, which was pretty funny. Uh, I like that. That's great. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, so Augie, yeah. he's the left fielder in 35 and then from 37 to 39. So more pennant winners, you know, 35, they lose the Tigers. 38, they lose again to the Yankees. So... These are all obviously good players that just happen to be in left field. Augie got two at-bats in the 41 World Series. Didn't get a hit. Okay. All right. Uh, he also got two at-bats in the 38 World Series with the Cubs and didn't get a hit. Uh, Even he though he was their everyday left fielder. Yeah, maybe it broke his leg. Um, he did play six. He played in six games in the 35 World Series. Yeah, um, that was a six-game series. Hit one six. Another game. Ooh, Augie. Those were his only four. Hit one thirty-eight in the World Series in three World Series. Augie Ojeda hit better than that against the Cubs in the two thousand seven Wild Card. Yeah, 40, 40 to forty-one, and then again to forty-four. Dom Delisandro was the left fielder. 
42 and 43. Yeah. It was Lou, the mad Russian Novikov. Yep. And then 1945, <laughs> the left fielder was Peanuts Lowry. Yes, Peanuts Lowry, who uh, I vaguely remember as a Cubs coach in the late 70s. Around the same time, we also had Cookie Rojas and Herman Franks. I think the GM Salty Saltwell was the old commissioner, uh, concessions guy. <laughs> Thinking about food. Peanut's main contribution to the Cubs was most likely that on June 15th, 1949, he and Harry the Hat Walker, former Cardinal, uh-huh. were traded to the Reds for Frank Baumholtz and Hank Sauer. Okay. Hey, good trade for the Cubs in 54. When Sauer won, was it 54 or 52 when Sauer won the MVP? Maybe it was 52. Um, I think it was 52. Yeah, it's 52, probably. However, Sauer, no, I don't know. See, because you're seeing Ralph Kiner in there. Uh, and you mentioned Baumholtz, and, and this is something Fork would have heard from his dad, but like, um, my dad was not a Frank, great Ralph Kiner fan for some reason, even though he was like, you know, he had like a 50 home run hitter for Pittsburgh. And it was mostly because I guess he was a terrible outfielder. So my dad had his nose out of joint about it. Cause by the time he came to the Cubs, he wasn't that old. I looked it up. He had a bad back, right? Maybe. Yeah. I think the pirates uh, dumped him cause he had a bad back. He dumped still hit. For, he, he still hit for the Cubs, but like my dad tells a story. Cause he, he, he got to the Cubs in the, in the prime PK Wrigley era where they were just taking like, right. Na- yes. It was a Retreat. name. Yeah. He was not he married. Yeah, he was play. He was a name. Exactly. Like Jimmy Fox. I think Jimmy Fox would make an appearance, you know, and stagger his alcoholic ass. Like, you know, this is, and that's, that speaks more to like the, you know, the war torn era and guys getting, uh, you know, kind of, kind of getting, you know, keep being given a chance, but, um, lost my train of thought. As far as, uh, oh, yeah, Kiner. So my dad, I remember he always told me the story. He was at a game, sitting where, like, my seats are now. You know where those are, like, on the left field line, roughly. And then a ball went into the corner. And, you know, you can't see what goes on sometimes in that corner. Kiner was playing left field. And then all he saw was also the ball just dribbles out, like a throw. comes out. Like, It was just like, <laughs> he had no arm, he had no range. He could hit. So... But the funny, but the, the, the tie together is that you had Kiner in one corner, which would be left or right. I'm not really sure, but Sauer, who's not known for his defense, although Sauer did win MVP, and that it was, you know, you mentioned bomb holes, um, but he was generally considered the center fielder. And so the joke was that, like, bomb holes lost like 60 pounds that, that year or the, those years that he was playing between Sauer and Kiner in the corners because they it hardly moved. Sour could hit. Uh, so before we, yeah, well, well, I don't know if we're going to get back to, well, we will get back to Sour in a minute. But so uh, Peanuts actually was the primary left fielder in 45 and in 48. Did you see who the primary left fielder in 1947 was? Yeah, Bill Buck. So it's it's Phil Cavaretta, two years o- o- removed from his MVP season as a first baseman. And I was like, why? And so I looked it up. Like, why wasn't he just playing first base? And it's because if you get a chance to play Eddie Waitkiss at first base oh. every day, you're not, I mean, Eddie, uh, two homers and 35 you know, RBIs in 130 games. So you you got to do it. 
Eddie Winkus has claimed to fame, you know, is he's the inspiration for the natural because he got shot by a spurred lover in he's Chicago. Very but handsome. A member People of the, should look up Eddie and as baseball reference it, picture. He was a, as a member, but he was a member of the Phillies, but he was in Chicago playing the Cubs. He got shot. Not to be confused with Bill Jurgis, uh, shortstop on the thirty, the twenty nine and thirty two Cubs, who was also shot. And there's something was going on in the thirties and forties. Apparently, uh, Major League Baseball players were very <laughs> vulnerable. Something's going on. Um, but Eddie Wakeus, that's he's kind of best known as supposedly the little bit of the inspiration for that part of the natural. Um, Phil did play quite a bit of outfield over his career. Yeah, I was doing. I stumbled across Cabrera earlier this week for just doing a different thing, and apparently he was a bit of a Fred McGriff at first. I guess when he he was not a great first baseman, so they you can hit he enough and they just try to. I, don't know, I always pictured Phil as he's five eleven, one seventy five. Wow, he's not exactly Anthony. He, Anthony Rizzo and him shared a number, but not a body. Yep, a heritage and a number. Yeah, yeah. and a position. Uh, yeah. So Sauer plays uh, left field from 49 to 52. He wins the MVP in 52. It's 52. Okay. So he, as a left fielder, he wins the. <laughs> well, Barry Bonds won a bunch of left, but yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's probably the least represented in the MVP. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Uh, in 52, he led the National League in homers with 37 and RBIs 121. He, he hit a cool. Oh, he had 270. I thought he had 361, but that was his on base. Mm-hmm. Um, for his career, he averaged 33 homers and 101 RBIs in 15 years. Also had a brother, Ed, that was a Cub. So he had Ed Sauer and Ink Sauer. Uh, yeah, so Kiner comes over in, uh, in 53 and 54 to play left. And he was just trying to okay offensively. Uh, hit 50 homers in the two years combined. Yeah. Washed up. But not that old. You're right. Must have been a bad back or something. If it's, uh, remember it's Mother's Day. So remember to tell your mother happy birthday. Um, yeah. In the whole second act is a very male-prop-driven Mets play-by-play announcer. This is quite a trade that he, the Cubs got him in. This is a doozy. Pirates traded him with Joe Garagiola, George Metkovic, and Howie Pallette for Bob Addis, Toby Atwell, George Freeze, Gene Hermansky, Bob Schultz, Preston Ward, and $150,000. Don't think I knew that Joe Garagiola was a cub. Maybe I did and I forgot it. Only for one season, apparently. Yep. Huh. Two. 53 and 54. I see. Okay. Played for Bill Cavaretta, player manager. But we're not talking about catchers today. We'll we'll come back to Joe. That's a lot of guys in the trade. Think of the paperwork. It was, right. A lot of catch being... Handed back and forth, too, it seems like them. So, um, Hank's last year as a left fielder is 55. In 56, yeah, the Cubs have a Hall of Famer play left field. Second, their second Hall of Famer in three years. Former Giants, Hall of Famer. <laughs> Monty Irvin played the final you know, year of his career 
for the Cubs and was good. Yeah, I see that. Played 111 games, 271, 346, 460. 15 homers and 50 RBIs and 339 at-bats. You know, a lot of people look at the 50s as like the first real decade of malaise, and I say we had two left fielders, two Hall of Famers in left field. Kiner and Monty Irvin. And an MVP uh, left. Monty played one year and said, fuck this. That's probably actually there might be some sort of relationship there, like how futile your team is if all your high points maybe come out of left field. I don't know. I mean, um, not that having an end of his career, Monty Irvin is a high point, but he did have a two point four. Do award. you know how the Cubs got Monty? I do not. They won him in a card game. No, um, <laughs> the, he was drafted by the Cubs from the Giants in the Rule Five draft, which clearly wow, doesn't work the way it works far. now. But uh, I mean, he, no, because Monty Irvin was. You can't get a thirty-seven-year-old. Actually, you probably get Frank Schwindel. In the yeah, Rule Five draft now, so yeah, you could get that's a thirty-seven. Yeah, you know, and hey, like, like here's the thing, Monty Irvin, uh, and I'm just looking at it now. Now you see, he's a Hall of Famer, even though he only has yeah, a thirty-two point one WAR, because he didn't come over to the big leagues till he was age thirty. So really special. So yes, and he's to put up a thirty-two WAR beginning at the age of thirty. Everyone knew who he was. Is my point. So like for him to come across, well, of course, by the rule five, though, he then put in a good decade in the bigs, I guess, huh? Is that it? All right. And Monty was inducted by the Negro League Committee. Okay. He, I'm sure he was deserving because if he put up that kind of a war well, in the, starting at age yeah. 30, um, you know. I mean, I know they have Negro League numbers in there. I know it's also could be a little bit uh, piecemeal. I mean, you can see some black ink and stuff, but yeah. And I think he was kind of considered one of the top Negro leaguers at the time that they started to uh, disband. Good old number 39. Yep. Uh, so Monty's like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not playing for you again. And so 1957, the Cubs uh, left fielder is Lee Walls, not, uh, not jungle Jim, just Lee. Right. Right. He played 65 games in left, but uh, Chuck Tanner played 60. Oh, there you go. He played a lot of guys in left field. So then in 58, 58 and 59, Moose Morin. Best known for making a shoestring grab, uh, which there's footage of. Stupid Jack Brickhouse is on it to save, to help save. Come on, Moose. Or doesn't he yell at her? Just, boy, Moose. Yes, you got it, Moose. Just saved Don Cardwell's no-hitter, which he threw in his Cubs debut in 1960, I want to say. So, Moore was the everyday left fielder in 58-59, but he was still yeah, pretty sure you're still on the team the next year. But not the left fielder. Another Hall of Famer, I think. Yes. Be a Veterans Hall of Famer if he was, I bet. Oh, no, 64.3 war. I no, but it was the Veterans Committee. Uh, but great, that's a it, pretty good war. Richie Rashburn, as my dad used to yeah. call Richie Ashburn. Um, yeah, had a great year for, And had a great year for the Cubs in 1960. And they rewarded him. I guess he did play for him in 61, and then in 62, uh-huh. they sold him to the Mets. Ooh, he finished yeah. his career on the worst team in baseball history. Interesting career, though. He played. He was an everyday player until really, he really quit. You know, isn't that kind of fun for the most part? I mean, I know 109 games in his penultimate season, but. So his, uh, his one year, his, or his uh, his first year with the Cubs, 1960. Because um, he's played 
mostly center field in 61 at 34. That shows you how, how good the Cubs center fielders were. In his first year with the Cubs at 33, he led the league in walks and on base. He walked 116 times. Holy cow. Uh, struck out. Hey, he wasn't that old either. No. 33 isn't that old. I mean, he, he was past his prime, but. He Two, got, three, he four. was acquired of, the Cubs traded John Buzzhart, Alvin Dark, and Jim Woods for him. This is interesting to me. So this is January 11th, 1960. In 1962, Alvin Dark managed the Giants to the pennant. Oh, wow. He retired after the 60 season. Immediately managed the Giants in his second year, he won a pennant. Wow. Also managed the A's to a championship in 74. Replacing Dick Williams. So Richie moved to center in 1961, and that cleared the way in left field. And I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, Riggs Stevenson, it's probably time for you to move over. Yes. Or easily the greatest yeah. left fielder in Cubs history. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're gonna end. Yeah, not the not to rob the drama out of the proceedings, but I'm fairly confident Billy's there to stay. Yeah. So Billy Williams who would play left field from '61 to '64. Then he would go play right field for two years, just because oh, he wanted. I see that. Just because he wanted to prove that you know I could right. play right. I'm good enough to play right if they need me. I'm going. I'm going back to left, dude. The guy rocked a 7.7 war playing right field in 65, right? You kind of wonder why they ever moved him back. Yeah, I wonder. Why did they move him back? That's I don't the... know, because, like, uh, Jim Hickman didn't sound like he'd be that. I mean, he's a great hitter. He's four caught. He's a great clutch hitter. They never really had any sort of consistent right fielders all that time, which is interesting to me. I mean, yeah, I don't well, know. He had, to, he had to move so that Ted Savage could get the most games in right field in uh, 1967. Sure. And then uh, – and then Lou Johnson. Yeah, yeah well. sure. Uh, but yeah, so, um, but in the two years when uh, when Billy was moonlighting in right field, uh, J- 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 Jimmy Stewart played left field in 1965. Well, Mr. Potter. And in, uh, in 1966, the guy who got the most starts in left field was a guy named Byron Brown, and he led the league in one category that year. What What do you think he led the league in? Well, the fact that he's got a point one war uh, makes me wonder: is it uh, errors, strikeouts? He struck out 143 times, which in 1966 was like striking out 340 times. Right, that's almost like he should have been shunned by society. Well, I mean, I'm sure PK didn't like him. He's black. Yep. Yeah. That was it for him. Put Billy back out and left for for uh, for, for the uh, DeRocher era run. Billy in his prime. Now he's yeah one of the best players in the game, and he's our left fielder. Byron Brown struck out 143 times in 419 at bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it. 16 homers and uh, 51 RBS. He was a, amazing. Um, so many strikeouts back then. That had to be close to he, he must have been in the news. He must have been approached because wasn't Bobby Bonds the first person? Like, didn't Bobby Bonds set the modern day strike? The strike I don't think strikeout records as hitters are something people kept track of because people didn't strike out a lot. But I feel like Bobby was the first days, you know, something like that, or in a single season. I mean, 
But geez, I feel like 143 puts you in the team photo from 1966. So he got he got traded. Uh, the Cubs traded him to the Astros for Aaron Pointer, one of the well, the Pointer sisters. Pointer brother. sisters, right? Pointer sister. He's the Pointer they brother. Do the, do but the then, how about this? How about the trade he was involved in on October 7th, 1969? He was traded by the Cardinals with Kurt Flood, Joe Horner, and Tim McCarver. Oh, to the Phillies part of history. For Dick Allen. Jerry Johnson and Cookie Rojas, Kurt Flood refused to report wow. to his new team, and so the Cardinals sent Willie Montanez oh, and Jim Browning to the Phillies to complete the trade. So, a little part of history there, Byron Brown. Nice little footnote. Glad we stumbled across that. 143 strikeouts and part of the, uh, you know, part of a trade that you know obviously really sort of ended up having a bit of a cascading effect on the whole landscape. So. Good for you, Byron. Yeah. He's just as he just as important to free agency as Kurt Flood. <laughs> Tan- tangentially, maybe. Let's see. Is he still alive? Maybe he's telling his kids that. Yes, still alive. He's eighty-one. Lives in St. Joseph, right. Missouri. Good, good job, Byron. Um, yeah. So, but so Billy plays left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's the primary left fielder for 11 seasons. And uh, so that's a run. Rick Stevenson, by comparison, was only there for uh, eight. Yeah. And that's Jimmy Shecker, seven. Yeah, that's the Riggs is the second most. And so, yeah, by quantity, but really even by, you know, whatever, by any measure, Billy's the guy. But plenty of other people. In that position, so. So, uh, Billy, rookie of the year, nineteen sixty-one. That's right. Um, Johnny Bench stole the MVP from him in um, twice. Twice. Right? Seventy and seventy-two. Yeah. Should have given him one of the two. Ain't that some shit? That Fork would say. Billy would say. Won the batting title in seventy-two. And God, kind of an old man by then, right? In 72. So. Yeah, 34. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it before how he and Sano were really the, the you know, they carried those DeRocher teams. Like Banks was a little bit along for the ride. He had the, uh, he had the consecutive game streak that, uh, Steve yeah, Garvey, Garvey. Supposedly yeah exactly right. He led, yeah, the league, he led the, this is funny that, you know, he led the league in games played, even though he played every game from 1965 through 1970. Yeah. He did not lead the league in games played in 1967 because he only yeah. played in 162. Right. So basically he played in 164 in 65. So clearly somebody had a, well, and Somebody look, had a, also, a suspended game that got re that yeah was declared a right. tie, and then Billy yep. technically didn't lead the league in games played. Even though which, he played in every which game. coincidentally, you'd think that back then, yeah, would it, would it, yeah, I don't know how that would check out. But you notice too, he also played in 162 games in '64 and didn't lead the league, and oh yeah, and that the and that the year before then he had 161, which was good enough to lead the league in 1970, just not in '63. I mean, the guy almost went like an entire. Ten years playing 162 games a year. Yeah. 
basically. On average, he did because he had a few 163s himself and 164 in the 65 season. Yeah, it was so. 159, 161, 162, 164, 162, 163, 162, 163, 163, 161, 157, and yep. then slumped yep. off in 72 and only played in 150, yeah. then played in 153. Yeah. yeah. One of his nicknames, the Iron, uh, no, that was Lou Gehrig. Didn't he have some? No, just sweet singing. I, as a kid, I thought I read some biography where they had Iron something, but Lou Gehrig was the Iron Horse. Old Iron Pants. No. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a good nickname. Good old Billy. Glad he's still amongst us, too. Iron so. Pants. No, I don't know. Billy has shipped off to Oakland. I don't know if he got Did he get in the World Series? I think he got there too late. It's 70. Nah, he did. Too bad. Probably played in the playoffs at least, he though, did. in 75. Yeah. Played, for the, played for the pennant against the uh, Red Sox. They lost. Didn't get a hit. Uh, poor Billy. He was 30, so that's damn. Just way too late. Got as many hits in the postseason as uh, Ernie and Ron. Yeah, he did, as it turns out. At least he got to play. Got to wear those ridiculous uh, A's uniforms, which is good. Yeah, got to play for the jerk off Charlie Finley. Uh, the Cubs' first real uh, left field Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, because Riggs isn't, and you're right. And even though we had, you know, a seven year run in the '50s where we had three Hall of Famers and Ashburn, Irvin, and uh, kind of, actually you can say, out of, including Billy Williams' first year, the Cubs had an eight year run. In the 50s, uh, late 50s, where they had four different Hall of Famers that were their everyday left fielder. So, but you're right, Billy's the only real Hall of Famer. Uh, they shipped him off to Oakland to clear left field for Jerry Morales so that Jerry could no. put up a negative 0.4 war that year. <laughs> and then for three seasons, Jose Cardinal was the Cubs left fielder. Um, Fan favorite. Eddie Vedder's yeah. favorite player, right? That is yeah. Uh, Michelle Obama's too. Oh, well, there you go. Yep. Uh, in 75, though, um, other notables to play left field. Champ Summers. Oh, yeah. Champ Summers. Ooh, wow. How about that? Peter Marshall's son. And in 76, uh, Larry Bittner. Champ Summers. Two eyes, two T's. Pete LeCock. Rick Monday. Monday's about God anyway, even though he's really the center fielder. So three years of fan favorite Jose Cardinal and followed up by three years of not fan favorite Dave King. Quite the opposite. That's a nice little nifty comparison. In spite of the fact that sandwiched in between those, those the, in the middle of those three years is a year in which oddly Cleveland was rather glorified, even though I think like writers and stuff still lose the dick, but he was very popular in 79 because he stayed healthy and uh, it was just, he just had one of those seasons in 48 homers. Was it, I guess, you know, of course he only had a 4.1 war. I mean, the guy sucked. Uh, that's why there's a reason that in the pre steroid era, he, he was, he would have been the only 400 home run hitter to never make the hall of fame. And nobody was rushing to ever have made that, made, make that argument. But his 79 season, You'd certainly say it'd be one of the greatest individual seasons by a left fielder. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, again, no, the 4.1 war stands up. 48 homers, 115 RBIs, led the league in slugging and OPS. Yeah, well, well Rick Stevenson had a higher war in one, he was a, one uh, OPS. He was an all-star three times in his career, twice yeah. in the Cubs. 
So, so he would have been in 79 because of the season he was having, and then he would have been voted in, I bet, in 80. And then he probably told everyone to fuck off and went fishing instead or something. Yeah. Uh, he only played 81 games in 80. So he probably did. Well, I think that, I think that's the whole fun. It'd be, it'd be fun to do a deep dive on the, you know, because I don't know how local he is. He went to Crosswick, but I think he grew up in Oregon, whatever. He's just all, And he went to college in Southern Cal, I think. Um, but like that three-year run, it is kind of interesting well, because he was re- first. He went to Harper College first. Oh, that's for did he? Then really? USC. Did a he? lot of guys transfer from Harper to USC, like Dave Kingman did. Wait a second, you're, you're shitting me, right? No. Hey, Holy shit, William Randy Harper College, Ballantyne, Illinois. I would not even have guessed that Harper existed in the '60s or even had a baseball. There was nothing. I mean, obviously, Prospect was out here, but like there wasn't there wasn't much out here. Uh, Most the of the community 60s. colleges in Illinois um, started in between 1964 and 1968. Is that right? Uh, the exception was Joliet, which was Joliet Junior College. Still, yeah, they've been around for a hundred years. They were their own okay. thing first and became a community college as part of the Community College Act. Um, Got it. And then so that's all. Triton College yeah, at one River point Bay. had Kirby Puckett and Lance Johnson playing in the same yeah, field. We, we mentioned that. You mentioned that very thing on a previous. You edified me on that, which still cracks me up. And the – yeah, I, I was recently there like three years ago for a COVID test and saw that the, the beautiful Kirby Puckett Stadium. So – but my point is, like, with Kingman, it was like – he was reviled when he left. Everyone knew he was an asshole, but he was glorified because he was hitting dogs, right? So, like, if you're, we loved him. We were seven-year-old kids, right? We didn't know he was an asshole. Uh, but I think everyone loved him that year because, like, it was just he's putting on a show, and he wasn't just hitting 48 homers. He was hitting balls up Kenmore Avenue. So, and then he went right back. He, you know, things started going right. And I think it was the next year when everyone saw what an asshole he was because, you know, they have Dave Kingman Day. That's when he was out on his boat on Lake Michigan. When he was, you know, he was in all, all kind. I think all kinds of shit went down in '80. It's just funny how quickly it turned, but it was always meant to be because anyone that had been around the game could have told you Dave. King, and you said your guy McDougal going back since he was a seventh grader that yep. he was an asshole. It was just covered up by that '79 season for a lot of us. Dave Kimmel was a first round, was a second round draft pick in 1967 out of high school, a first round pick in 1968. That would have been out of Harper. Wow. And, then, and then the number one overall pick in 1970 out of USC. He got drafted was by he, the Angels, a, the Orioles, and the Giants. And then the Giants. Was he drafted as a pitcher or third baseman? Pitcher, I think. And then like, he hurt himself, and then they try to make and they, they try to make a third base. He was like their opening day third baseman, 71, 72. He was terrible, I guess. I mean, obviously. The guy couldn't even play left. So... Yeah, he made his debut in 71 at first base, but in 72, he played 72 and 73. and 74, with the Giants, he played third. And in 75, he got some yeah. games at third with the Mets. Probably making a shitload of errors. signed him as a so, free agent for the 78 okay. season. You and know, then they traded other, him for his successor in left field. Steve, Steve, Steve Henderson, Henderson, right? Yeah. yeah. And the last thing about Kingman is that one point, because it was only in the first decade of divisional play, so it would not have been a thing earlier. But in 77, he became the first player to play for all a team in each of the four divisions in 77. And Angels, uh, White, uh, Angels, Cubs, Mets, and uh, I don't know, Yankees. So. Yeah, Mets, Padres, Angels. Oh, Padres. Yankees. Yeah, National League West. Uh, so. re- more recent news about Dave Kingman. <laughs> I'm... So NBC... You mentioned this. His daughter, 
right? Son. He's on a reality show? Yeah. A son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I already talked about this. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> there's a show on NBC and Peacock. I don't think it's on anymore. It's called Making It. And the first season was hosted by Andy Samberg and Amy Poehler. Second season, apparently, uh, Andy was busy. So it was uh, far superior. Um, it was uh, Amy Poehler and... Um, oh, crap. Why am I blanking on her? Maya Rudolph. And mm. um, is that right? That's not right. That's baking it. I'm all confused. This making it. That was a different show. Amy Post both. Uh, the second one, uh, the the show that he was on was is called Making It, and that is Nick Offerman, Cub fan Nick Offerman, mm. and Amy Poehler. Oh, that's right. And the guy who yeah. won it that year is Dave Kingman's son. And he talked. It was kind of sad. He talked about you know trying to do this to make his dad proud. And uh, so when he won, Dave and his ninth wife or whatever he's on now came to the taping and they had this awkward he awkwardly hugged his son who actually did build some cool stuff so all right you know well good for kingman's kid that's right making i got bacon um, it and making it confused that I, I feel like that was not a bad trade for the cubs because now we're getting in the air and now we can speak from our own experience and knowledge of these players like steve henderson was a met prospect he may have actually come up with the Reds, so you know maybe he was over. He might have been part of a Tom, the Tom Seaver trade where, uh, like, had Zachary. I don't know, a whole bunch of shit was going around, and I I don't know I, yeah. I I don't know like he had some hype Anderson, but I mostly don't have great memories of him. He got traded for I, some great players in in uh, June 15, seventy seven. Steve Henderson was traded with Doug Flynn, Dan Norman, and Pat Zachary for Tom Seaver. 1981, he was traded for Dave Kingman, and in 1982, he was traded for Rich Bordy. Oh, our guy. Wait, so the Cubs got Bordy? I didn't know that. Oh, nice yeah, to know that. Who did the Cubs trade Hendo to? The Mariners. Steve Henderson. The Mariners, okay. Yep. So you just play, two years you ever play him? with Dave Henderson, his brother? Oh, wait, they weren't brothers. Ken Henderson. Says here his nickname was Stevie Wonder. Is it because it looked like he was blind when he played left? Well, honestly, like you shared with me off the grid a, a YouTube game yes, he's, Cubs he's Pirates eighty one in that. Yeah, he, he 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 somehow speared a Rick Roden line drive, but he looks so ungraceful <laughs> he makes, as he, he as he two panicked into the catches mines. in left field to save the game. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, his agent. He had a he had a super agent, one of the one of the best baseball agents ever. A guy with a great name, Dick Moss. Oh yeah, that was Andre Dawson's agent, yep. right? The guy that he the had to get check. the uh, the blank check for. Yeah, Dick Moss. So Henderson was eighty one, eighty two. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can almost get to the guy. I mean, yeah, we're gonna know all these guys going forward, but uh, go ahead. Oh no! If you got something to say about Steve, say it because I was already I was moving on. To leave. I I think I'm done with Steve Henderson. Yeah. All right. I'm so 1983, the guy who got the most games in left field was Leon Durham. But sure. It was okay. a cast of thousands in left field that year. Here are the guys who played left field no. for the Cubs: uh, Leon Durham, Gary Woods, Jay Johnstone, uh, uh-huh. Scott Thompson, Thad Bosley, Jerry Morales, oh, Bill Scott Buckner, Thompson's Wayne Norton, Buckner, Buckner, and Ross. Um, Wayne Norton, okay, Mel Hall, sure. Uh, Martinez, what Martinez would that be? Uh, Carmelo, maybe. Oh, I bet you're right. You got Carmelo, Harry Singer. 
Yeah. EQ is a September call up. Got a uh, a homer in his first official at bat, but not playing appearance. I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, they don't break it down by. But yeah, every, everybody, everybody took a turn and left. In 83. And Leon got the most uh, action out there. And he's 1.24 yeah. in left. Uh, but that would be short-lived because 1984. Yep. Dun, 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 what was the date dun, of this trade? Dun, this is late. Dun, right? This is April 1st. Training? April yeah, April 1st or 2nd. Yeah, and there's no reason for it like that March Brian 27. McCray trade in late 95. It wasn't like there was a late start. It was just right there. Right? And, and it's we, we broke it down pretty good at that because it was like – they were going to head into that season with Buckner at first and Durham and left and Mel Hall or so. I don't even know. I can't remember. Like it just changed the paradigm. I mean, Hall was going to be the center fielder. Uh, Moreland was going to be in left. I, I can't even, I can't even sort it out now. Yeah, Durham Leon, would still stay Leon out there. would have been a right and Buck Buckner at first. But then, yeah, but they needed Buckner to get dealt for Eckersley. To, so maybe that was a separate deal. I think prior to the trade, they were going to go into the season with. Um, well, Bucker Eckersley, that didn't happen until the season actually started, right? Yeah, May 5th or something. Yeah. yeah. But, but Bucker opened the season on the bench. So, but yeah, we got uh, we got Sarge and uh, quite a you know celebrity in his first year, kind of rejuvenated the bleacher bums out there. He was in his 30s, and I don't know if he was ever a great outfielder. I do remember him, like, hustling his ass off and making a really good catch, like, in game five of the playoffs against the Padres. You could still feel it slipping away, but, oh, good for you, Sarge. You didn't look graceful, but you ran, you know, 60 yards and caught that fly ball. We're still barely hanging on. But It's funny because I don't know because we were too young. I don't know that he he kept getting taken out late in games because he was a bad outfielder or just because he was old and slow. Yeah, I don't know if Fry just wanted more range and left. Not like he was worried that Gary wasn't going to catch the ball if he got to him. They weren't going to get to it. I don't know. He He was very awkward looking in the field. He was, was, but everything was was awkward. His batting stance was awkward. He had to throw his hat off while he was running to second base. Exactly. Exactly. Had that big ass just stuck out all the time. And it's funny that his kid then was a great yeah. defensive outfielder. Like right. one of the Sleek, most ridiculous fast. catches in baseball history that when yeah. he climbs the wall in Texas and like pulls the ball back, yeah. it's, and then he was all steroided up, but you know, well, you know, we, we, we don't, we pretend we don't know that. Uh, yeah, don't you think now, now looking back, so March 27th is when they made the trade. Don't you think that it was because the Phillies were like, Oh fuck, we don't. Yeah. Like no, Bob and Gary, we, we're going to make the team. We broke it down. Like that was the stigma. It was like the Phillies were like were dominant. Like Pete Rowe, all those guys, they had such contempt. The Cubs were so bad. It was like, yeah, that's not gonna hurt us because it's such a lopsided trade. Even then, on paper. Yeah, I mean, it's so bad to like not just to trade the guys, but just to give them somebody in your own division. Like you can't beat us with these guys. Who cares? Right. Take them. Like all right, Dallas. We filled we filled sixty seven percent of our starting outfield with that trade. Like, and who'd they get? A like Bill Campbell at the end of the line. So, yeah, it'll, uh, it'll, I mean, it was, the, but I think it, that's it. I think if Dallas would have told you that it was, it was really, it was the, it was the Porfi Altamirano trade. Yes. Right. That's, yeah. what I but, uh, was I, 
you you kind of brought that up, and I've that's my theory is that the the reason it looks so lopsided is that nobody like they actually thought that stigma was so embedded that it didn't matter what they did, um, which obviously turned out not to be true. So, but yeah, I was like, yeah, we need maybe we can't afford these guys these years, but we're, they were like coming off a pennant too, you know. It was like they weren't fucking around. That that was a Phillies team that was basically at the end of a ten year run, and they were still had a few there, you know. I, on the other hand, they just figured, let's clear a path for Von Hayes. This is our guy. So maybe that was it. Let me get rid of the distractions. So an 84 start leads the National League and walks 103 on base. Average and game-winning RBIs, which was not a stat. And sacrifice flies with 10. Yeah. He was the best. Um, that's because Dernier was all standing on third base whenever he batted. Yeah, daily double. Um, struggled in 85, only played 97, everybody was hurt. At 235. Yep. Had a decent year in 86 when he was 35. Yep. Uh, st- yeah. He could always get on base. He had a career of 364 uh, on base percentage, which was funny because when he was the cup batting hitting coach, he seemed to have no interest in uh, emphasizing the guy should take pitches and walk. Just like Joe Morgan. Yeah. Another, another guy who had no idea why he was good. Yeah. So I I uh, I'm I'm inclined to slot Matthews ahead of Hank Sauer here and behind uh, behind Billy and, and uh, Rick Stevenson at least for now let him I don't know I don't know if he if anyone ranks higher than him other than those two yeah, at this point but 1980 no Gary is gone in 86 traded to the Mariners because the Cubs are loaded in left field without him loaded. Listen to the three guys who got the most at bat, got the most games played the year after he left. Jerry Mumphrey, yep. who had ridiculous okay. stats for the Cubs that year. He did. We we unearthed that. Uh the immortal and thankfully on the mend, Brian Dayette. My That's favorite right. my favorite of that season. He was one of mine. And Raphael Palmero. Yes. Jerry Mumphrey, uh, 1987, at the tail end of his career, yeah, played 118 games for the Cubs, hit 333 with a 400 on base and a 534 slug, yeah. 13 homers and 44 RBIs in 309 at bats. The year before with the Cubs, he played 111 games, hit 304. Yeah, they pressed their luck. They brought him that. back in '88, and he hit 136. Yeah, yeah. And had to wave him. I, I always liked Mumphrey. He seemed a little bit redundant. I didn't realize he was that old at the time as I was getting. And I also, I guess, didn't appreciate how productive he was. But I did like him. But it felt redundant because it was like we already have Dernier. But he really wasn't a center fielder, obviously. But, like, that was what he was when he was in his 20s. He wasn't that old. Do you remember who they I, he, traded him for? Billy Hatcher, right? Billy Hatcher. Yeah, that's right. So, who would have been a center fielder. That came up when we discussed center fielders, but I do I feel like Mumphrey he was never the everyday center fielder in those years, huh? But I do feel like he played a fair share of center. Didn't have a chance. Dave Martinez taking over center. So now, uh, uh, let's see. With the Cubs, he played in '86. Yeah, he played 65 games in center and only 39 in left. But then in '87. He only played one game in center. He played seven okay, left so, and six in right. I think it's just one of those things that in my head, knowing him because he was a national player, I saw him as a center fielder, but he was obviously down shifting when he came to the Cubs. 
he really wasn't redundant. He was freaking 10 years older than Bob Grenier. What am I thinking about? And besides, we've got Dave Martinez playing center. So in 1988, the Cubs changed left fielders again, and they had an all-star. Oh, that's okay. Legit. Raphael Legit. Left field all-star. Probably not too many. Hank Sauer was probably an all-star as a left fielder for the Cubs. Billy obviously would have been multiple times. Um, don't know if Riggs made an all-star game. He kind of began halfway through his career. So that's right. That was the 88 Cubs team that had what? Like a, a whole slew of all-stars like the 77 Cubs. Six did. of them, I think. Five, at least five. Yeah. I think six. Yeah, maybe a six. Sean Dunson was an all-star that year. So it's, there was. was 88-90. Uh, let's see. Palmero... Uh, Struck out 34 times in 580 at bats. Wow, Buckner-esque. Mark Grace-esque. That's, yeah. Boy, wow. a good thing you wouldn't, really want, you wouldn't want to have those two guys in the same lineup for a decade. Let's not. <laughs> Grace struck out 43 times that year. So Palmero's even better. Yeah. You said 30-something? Yeah. yeah and, and, um, and Raphael had more at bats. Mark, because that was the year Mark. Wow, eighty-eight. Raphael had better back control. Okay, yeah, I think Buckner generally hovered around the like the twenties for those. No, it's just ridiculous. He's almost a cut above. But yeah, let's see the Cubs. Uh, Raphael Palmero, Dave Martinez, and Andre Dawson were that outfield there. That was pretty good. Damn good outfield. I wonder why Raphael and Dave didn't stick around. Look at that. Two thirds of our outfield right there. Dave was gone that year. He got that was during that season. He got yes. traded for the great Mitch. That's why it's a zero war. Yeah, it, it, that's weird because it was like in June too. It wasn't like before the halfway point. Whoever, whatever, flat Sam, or I can hover over it. Might have been July. Whatever flat it's, Sam they had it's there. Seventy-five games for the Cubs that year. Yeah, Webster, Darren Jackson. July. 14th. Oh, it's July. Yeah, so I remember was playing tricks Mitch on me. Webster. So now at that you, point, you the go... only thing we knew Mitch for was he was the guy that. Uh, Dawson threw out the ball got stuck under the under the sidewall and Mitch is tooling oh. around first going to third and Andre goes down picks it up and guns him out by about 20 feet. Yes. Mitch the, Before... the ball is waiting for him and Mitch is like where the where the fuck did that ball come from? Yeah. Jim yeah. couldn't get enough of just... that. Ooh, we need that guy. And he's probably probably happy to become teammates with him. Yeah. Can't throw me out now. Yeah, the, the Cubs kind of the Cubs kind of go through a run now where there's not a whole lot of stability in left field, which you know. No, but it's funny they have so eighty in eighty seven. Mumphrey is a two point five WAR out there. In eighty eight, Palmero two point three. This is not great, but it's not bad. And I think yeah. Dwight Smith had a two point three. Did enough for a runner up, and none of them the was the primary left fielder the next season. Yeah, good point. Uh, Dwight really, I think, was though in. Uh, 91. Yeah, Doug I don't know, I don't know how Desenzo, yeah. Years. 90 was a weird, yeah, it was a little bit of a, maybe a hangover season or whatever. Yeah, but 89, Dwight Smith, uh, his his rookie year with the Cubs, he finished second in rookie of the year, Cody, to his, yeah. to his uh, running mate, uh, Jerome Walton. That was had part his, of the had his best year of his big league career, not just his Cub career. 324 with a 382 on base and a 493 slug. Nine homers and 52 RBIs and 343 at-bats. 19 doubles, six triples. He was a terrible outfielder. 
Yeah, part part of his problem is that he couldn't even play left. No, and and yet even the, he he hung around as late as '93. I remember him getting quite a few starts in center in '93, which was like the, the thing. It's just one of those things too that smooth hitter, smooth athlete, super fast. But it just shows that being fast doesn't make you like a great defensive player. It doesn't make you a great base runner either. He was a he was a circus on the bases too. I I love Dwight Smith because he was just such a damn good left handed hitter. But that's all he could do. He was all tools. He could, and he, could do, he, he could hit and he could run fast, but the running the fast always didn't, didn't always help him either. And he could sing. And he could sing. Absolutely. He had the pipes. Belting out the Star Spangled Banner, 118, right before first pitch. Do we know is um I have a, I'm sure the A's renamed it, right? But at Ho Ho Camp, I always thought this was a kind of a joke and kind of a nod. So Dwight Patterson Field at Ho Ho Camp was like the primary like thing well the side field they named dwight smith field and i always thought it was kind of a ha 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 but it was really named for dwight why i don't i think just because one was dwight patterson field they thought it was funny to name the other one dwight smith field oh okay but I, right. I wonder if the sign's still there the a's are so cheap they probably didn't take it down it's probably still named after yeah, probably exactly i like that i'm gonna check that out all right so so we have to keep changing left fielders, and 90, Desenzo uh, gets the most games out there. Uh, he had a, His war was terrible, but at least his pitching propped it up. Yep. Uh, good old Doug. Still, how many innings? Nine? Five. Five scoreless innings for the Cubs over two years. Was that the year that the uh, – um, no, that was, yeah, 1990 was the uh, Rob Dibble. That was 1990, yeah. Same game, of course. One of those things where, like, a night, like yeah. six different iconic things happened. Like, like where, that when Steve McMichael sings Take Me Up the Ball game and Chip Carey couldn't make a call. Same thing here where in the same game in which Rob Dibble threw a ball at Doug DeCenzo, Andre Dawson got thrown out for chucking a whole bunch of bats onto the field. Now, Doug also known for, so he's known really for three things, I think. I'm Cubs. sorry, that's 1991. That's 1991, okay. my mistake. He's known for three things as a Cub. He was a handy little uh, emergency release yes. pitcher. Rob Dibble threw at his legs. Yes. And a hunk of the ceiling at Exposition Stadium in Montreal almost fell on his head. Remember? Oh, yeah. And then there's a joke they one. gave him. The next day he showed up and he had a football helmet in his locker and he, he, took, he right. was shagging flies with his football helmet on. Yeah. 1991, Cubs go get huge free agent signing by Jim Fry. And he was an all-star. He was the one that wasn't a bust. Dave Smith and Danny Jackson were busts. Former American League MVP from just a few years before, four years before. I think in 87, the Cubs had both 1987 MVPs in in the outfield. George Bell. George, uh, it's one year with the Cubs. Last great year of his career. He was an all-star. 25 homers, 86 yeah. RBIs. He had 285. Uh, he didn't really seem to want to be there. All that bad. And then he went to the White Sox. He really didn't want to seem to be there either. Well, uh, yeah. But it turned out okay you know, for the Cubs. Uh, sure because did. they traded George Bell for Sammy Sosa. Although oh, the Ricketts, I'm sure, will have that expunged from the official record at some point. You'll never uh, know. <laughs> uh, Bell actually had a – no, he did not have a good season for the site. He played every day in 92 as they continued their ascension. But 93 is when he bottomed out when they really couldn't have used him, especially with the playoffs. So they had to stick Bo Jackson's broken hip out in the, as the DH in the playoffs because Bell was just having a 
you know, pitching a fit. But he wasn't producing either. Now so. he did. In 92, he led the American League in a, in a stat category, though. You yeah. see that? I see that. Yeah. That's a huge number. He grounded into 29 double plays. Now, I'm going to so look this that, up. Albert Pujols is the all-time leader. I guarantee you he never came close. Look it up. To hitting into because 29 double plays. It could plays. fit your narrative that he wasn't he wasn't interested. Now, now typically, a guy that like maybe hits into 20 double plays probably a guy no, that might not wrong. be fast. Oh, really? He's Albert hit it at 27, 29, 28, 26, 24, 21. Right. But okay. Albert's just – Albert. I mean, Albert was in his 40s when he got to the Cardinals. So he was an old True. man running to first. He was yeah, a great Bell hitter was, who just couldn't run because he was so old. Bell, Bell, Bell was, at the was a line, young man. Still 32, yeah. Now, distra- always distracted by how his gas station in the Dominican was doing. That's right. Still one of the great things, but a, a huge for people who don't know, they probably didn't listen to the '91. Uh, uh, boo. Uh, part of Jim Fry's motivation to trade him, or was it Jim Fry? Or was he gone by then? Uh, no, it was Fry. It was no, still Fry. It was it was Hines. No, 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 no. It was Larry no, Hines. Hines. Yeah, it was Hines. So oh, Hines, that's right. Hines trade for Sosa. I knew that. Yeah, Fry gets launched because those yeah. signings didn't work and tributes like that's it. And so they bring in uh, Larry Himes and his puckered asshole. And it was the following – it was that's the right. following spring training. So this absolutely tracks because yes. it was a late – just like the Dernier Matthews trade. It happened at the end of spring training. And George reported late to spring training and yeah. said it was because he was busy running his gas station video. Yeah. And Larry's like, all right, fuck off. We got to get rid of this guy. And so he traded him for, for his pet. With the right, I mean the White Sox. The White Sox. Ron Schuler, I guarantee you, was so happy to dump Sammy Sosa on anybody, and he had a sucker right across town. His old because he he knew what a hard Sammy ends up hitting for six hundred home runs. Yeah, right. He knew he knew how much uh, Hines loved it. Part of the reason Hines got fired was because of the trade he made to get Sammy. He traded Harold Baines to the Rangers, and Jerry was always pissed off at him. Absolutely alienated Uncle Jerry for sure. Then we get to a true enigma in Cub history. The guy who played the next three years in left field, Derek yeah. May, six yeah. foot four, two hundred and ten yeah. looked- pounds, son of a, a former major leaguer, Dave. Yeah, Bain, who played? Who played? He played five years for the Cubs. Mostly, he played every day in three of those. Yeah. He had twenty-eight home runs. Yeah, you players, I feel. For whom there existed such a disconnect by how he looked, he looked like such a ball player, man. And you're right; he should have been genetically. His father was a ball player, and then and then the actual performance. He was a he could not hit for power. He was not a great athlete. He was not an out. He was a left fielder, you know. So he wasn't even a. And uh, and like by now, Dwight Smith was gone. Like, oh, well, maybe Derek. It was he was just he, he was a poor man's. He wasn't even a poor man's Dwight Smith. He, yeah, just light, just a light soft player. Let's call it a soft player. I know that's sometimes a pretty harsh criticism, but he uh, he had yeah. a beautiful swing. Like if you just watched yeah. him take batting practice, thought he's the greatest player in the world. The guy that got compared to him later, a Cub who got compared to Derek, and it was not a positive, was a guy who you can see on marquee very often, Ryan Sweeney. Same thing. This guy who was a big, tall, strong left fielder. Yeah. Anderson, though, or uh, Sweeney played, could play center too. Sweeney was a much better athlete. But as a hitter, they got compared because in batting practice, he looked like the greatest player ever. And when the game started, yeah. neither one of them could hit for any power at all. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the Cubs pissed that's away three years it. on Derek. Uh, Kids, you... if you ever see the name Derek May, that's that's pretty. I don't think anyone can probably do do it justice more. That's pretty much it. So how about this? He was the starting left fielder for three seasons. His total WAR in those three seasons was one point two. Mm-hmm. Over three is that's not the average. That's the total aggregate. Yeah. Oof. So they go out and they swing a deal to get a left fielder to replace him. And they got future. Well, no, no, yeah, no, no. This was the, the, the we discovered this in great detail. Uh, that left fielder for the next two years was acquired midseason the year before, along with our starting catcher right. for the next few years for a broken down Rick Wilkins. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, they hand left field over to uh, Luis, and he's an immediate improvement. Yeah. He was a, nice he had in two years pre steroid Luis Gonzalez. Yeah. Four points in two seasons with in yeah. the field for the Cubs. And I was he was a nice I was worried because he was actually even before then, having been with the Astros, he was a Cub killer before like 1993, four and five. Like, who is this motherfucker? And then like, oh, now we got him, he's gonna suck. And he he was serviceable. Perfectly adequate left fielder, Luis Gonzalez with the Cubs. Well, yeah, you're right. So he played he got the most games in left in 95, but he only played 77 games for the Cubs because he got he came over in the trade. And then he was only a full-time yeah. starter for the Cubs for one year. In 96, he had 271, oh. 354 on base and a 443 slug. And then he was yep. off to Houston. Back to Houston and then back to the Balco Lab, or to the Balco Lab and then a whole different player emerged. Yeah, they just didn't really sign him after the 96 season. They just let yeah, him go. He was... Well, because he wasn't on the juice, and he he yeah. was just he was a fine player, right. yeah. He, and they replaced know, him with like, a guy who they I guess they figured could do the exact same thing, and that was Doug Glanville. Yes, who I want to say might be the only thing of any value that Jim Fry ever drafted with the Cubs. I hope and, he was a first round draft yeah. pick. That's not a good first round uh, draft pick, even though he was, he was. He played in the big leagues for nine years. He That's was. not a good twelfth pick in the it, draft. It, it, in Jim Fry's last draft, he picked Doug Lando, uh, who, you know, I I, I like Dougie. He, he, he batted 300 in 1997. I wonder if the guy, base, 26, if the guy picked right after him would have been a better pick. So Doug Lando, uh, pick him. in the 91 no, draft. Derek Jeter or somebody? Manny Ramirez. Oof. And then Cliff Oof. Floyd. Who we knew about. Like I was at Northern and like yeah. I do I had guys on my dorm floor that like went to Thornwood and they're like, Oh, it's Cliff Floyd. Yeah, you guys picked street. after Manny Ramirez, Cliff Floyd, Sean Green, Eduardo Perez. Uh, my goodness. So there's another one. That Mr. Magoo motherfucker drafted Doug Landville two slots. I had, did you say it before Cliff Floyd? Yes. Yeah, okay. so um there are a lot of busts in this draft. Brian Taylor, Mike Kelly, Dave McCarty, Dimitri Young was okay. John Burke was all right. Joe Vidiello, I mean, Joey I, Hamilton, which, you know. Joey Hamilton, yeah. Uh, yeah. The other more, great thing is right-hander. Like, Mark Smith, Tyler I mean, Green, then, Sean, then, then the run here. Sean Estes, Doug Glanville, Manny Ramirez, Cliff Floyd. Ty Hill, whoever that all right. is. Sean and Green. the other thing is Doug Glanville, as we know, he's a college boy. and Not just a college boy, but Ivy League. Yeah. But, yeah, he was he was almost 21 years old by the time he got drafted, too. I just like, like, that would never happen today as a 12th pick. Unless, 
unless Doug Glanville was like just bashing the shit out of Ivy League pitching that year and had to take him. 21 year old Ivy Leaguer. I like Doug too. He got traded for uh, Mickey Morandini. The dandy little glove. That's a good trade. Mickey Morandini. That's right. And then he would come back and uh, he had a triple Uh, in the the, the NLCS. Him and Tom Goodwin. Ground ball triple. Two pinch hit triples Uh, in the same game. Yeah. Yeah, It could have been a hero. He was this close to having a great second act. But, you know, not going to feel sorry for him. Doug's got a nice life. So Doug Doug is shipped off um, for the dandy little glove man. So to open up left field, because the Cubs need power in left. Sure do. And so they signed a free agent, Henry Rodriguez. Oh, Henry. Who played three years for the Cubs and had one good year. 98. And then just like he was like a China doll. Oh, he wasn't even good in 98? He was okay, but 99 was his good year. Oh, yeah. Well, I think oh, in 98. Right. No, 98 was, was right. His war was higher in 99. But yeah, 98 yes. was the year he had the yeah, 31. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, he had 26 yeah, yeah, yeah. in 99. Actually, that. I didn't realize he had back-to-back good years. I didn't either. I just thought 98 was his only good year. He had a good year well, in 99. Actually, 99 was like, he had more homers in 98. He had a really good year in 99. 98. 31 homers, 85 RBIs. He had 251 with a 530 slug, but 99, yeah. he had 26 87 RBIs. He had 304 with a 381 yeah. on base and a 544 slug. Like a like a real player. Yeah, for sure. That was his best career in baseball, 99, actually. And fans would throw candy bars at him. We sure did. He uh yeah, he had some of his best years with the Cubs. Yeah, you know, I, I I call him a China doll. I just remember he could, like I get frustrated that he'd like die for a ball and then he'd get hurt. Yeah, um, he oh, just this is, couldn't stay. This is weird. Okay, so he he they did trade for him. They get Miguel Batista. Yeah, I remember that. I would have I would have guessed. I would have said yeah. Miguel and Batista, then he played the and he played the ninety eight season and he, they let him. He he became a free agent, but then the Cubs resigned him. Ah, uh, okay, right. And then in two, July, at the trade deadline in 2000, they traded him to the Marlins for Dave Noyce and the great Ross Glode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cub and White Sox. That's right. Just like Wayne Nordhagen has already been mentioned tonight. Here are some similarities, the similarity scores on baseball reference to Henry Rodriguez. Number one is uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, who's currently a Dodger. Number two, Carlos Quentin, former White Sox. Number three, mm-hmm. Tony Canigliaro. Did Henry ever get mm-hmm. hit in the face with a pitch? But number four, uh, my nope. interest Cub fans, the number four most similar hitter to Henry Rodriguez, Cody Bellinger. And then look who number seven is. Our guy, Jorge. Oh, yeah, Jorge. Current new giant, Jorge yeah. Soler. Look at that. Is it bad that by age, it was his 30th year, it was Bo with one hip? Is that a bad sign? All right. So then, uh, so Henry threw for three years. Then in 2001, the guy who played the most games and left. Who would have started the season out there, though? Yeah, but you know, you got to uh, have somebody have for Rob, You got to have somebody to back up Ron DL because he ain't going to make it through the whole season. I will say. Well, I'm I looking at this much... list of left fields. Yeah. So Rondell White in 2001 played the most games yeah. for the Cubs. There were a lot of trades. I'm looking at that list, too. Yeah, I know them all, even Chad Myers. Michael Tucker, Delano DeShields, Matt Stairs, 22 games yeah. left. Brant Brown. Yeah. 
Um, well, st- well, Stairs was signed to play first base. Todd Dunwoody, Corey got- Patterson, Chad Myers. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah, they got Stairs to play first that year, and then they picked up McGriff at the deadline, and it took forever to get here. Uh, Stairs ended up going to the outfield. Uh, mentioned Dwight Smith, beautiful, sweet left-handed swing. I, I always, what I'll say about Rondell White, he couldn't stay healthy. Good season for the Cubs, and he he was one of the best right-handed hitters. I just liked watching him yeah. hit. He was just a good when he was healthy. He was just a damn good hitter. Just didn't stay healthy. So, yep, he was a two ninety three hitter for the uh, for the Expos in his first eight seasons. He hit three hundred three yeah. times. His batting average for the Cubs in two years was three ten, but his only uh, two years one hundred fourteen games in two years. They got him at the deadline in two thousand, right? Oh, and then he, but he was only healthy enough to play that. 19 games. He might have been on the okay. injury list when they got him. He was one of those. Yeah, okay. they got him for uh, for Scott Downs. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. poor Rondell. Yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yep, fine. So then they went out and they got the guy that they should have signed uh, like five years before. They got Moises right. Alou, <laughs> and Moises' first year did not go well. He, because he showed up out of shape, and I, I, it took me a long time. I, I loved Moises Alou 0304, but 02, I was so mad. He showed up and he, he pulled his calf standing in the outfield in batting practice. Yeah, opening, opening day. day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why is Roosevelt Brown in the opening day lineup? Yeah, it's a great sign when um, that would have been Chip, right? Yeah. No, uh, Chip was still the broadcaster. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Chip comes on and Brown announces stuff. that Moises has been yeah. scratched because he right. So basically, that just put a black cloud over the season. Uh, Don Baylor was canned halfway through, uh, but Alou bounced back. Uh, I thought he was great in 03. He only has a one point one more. I don't care. I think he was great all the way through, and then he was statistically fantastic yes. in 04. Yeah, I feel like in 03, and I can look this up. I feel like he was. Very good down the stretch. Could be. Like his, his overall thought, numbers would look lesser than the impact he had, but I'm going to be proven wrong here. Yeah, I am. He might be, but I, because his first yeah. half was better than his second half. 294, 364, 81. Second half, 257, 353, He he redeemed himself for his horrible performance, uh, helping them get off the horrible start the year before. But yeah, uh, I'm balanced. I'm cool with Moises. I like him. He's good. He's a little strange, but. Well, he also hit 500 in the uh, series win over the Braves and uh, 310 in the NLCS. He was a clutch player. He was huge. He came up huge for the Marlins in 97 in that World Series, too. He had a couple of big three-run homers, I think, in that World Series. But yeah, he was very good in 04. He kept trying to bail them out. I know. 39 homers and 106 RBIs. No, that was his last enough. good season. He had for pretty anyone? well, I noticed. Two years with the Giants, he played pretty well. He was playing for his dad. That's right. And then he finished up with yeah. the Mets. He was really good, but in just part-time oh. duty in 07. 340. Here's a, here's a fun fact. By the, uh, by the by the Harold Baines law, Moises Alou is a Hall of Famer. He's got a 1.1 higher war than Harold. Oh, 39.9. So, if only. Because then we could add him to the list of you know, Monty Irvin and Ralph Kiner. Oh, Hall of Fame left fielders. Billy Williams. 2005, not a great year for left fielders for the Cubs. Todd Hollinsworth played the most games out there. Uh, His war was 
negative .9. Other left fielders for the Cubs. This is a great year for Todd Hollinsworth, Matt Merton, Jason DuBois, Matt Lawton, Jesus Christ, oh my God, Jose Macias, Jody Garrett, and Ben Grieve. Lawton, Garrett, and Grieve all showed up for like 20 minutes. Yeah, actually, Lawton Lawton was no Garrett was there for three minutes. Was it lot? Yeah, was it they? They got Lawton and flipped him for Garrett, or they got Garrett for, no. for Lawton? I, yeah. yeah, they traded. They traded for Garrett. Traded him like in. Well, we'll look this up in like June. Then at the deadline, no. Then then they got Lawton at the deadline, right? But then they fell out. Of, they got so bad so fast that it yes. was a waiver trade to the Yankees. He goes That's to the right. Yankees and he flunks the steroid test and gets suspended. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Lawton, Merton. Yeah. It's uh not a good time. It's the sort of post Oh three hangover still. And now you just start to, you just hate seeing everybody and they're, they're not horrible, but they're, they're certainly at least mediocre. And yeah. Matt Merton would be the primary left fielder in Oh six. Um, Angel Pagan, Freddie Bynum, Phil Nevin, John Mabry, Gary Harrison Jr., Michael Restovich, one game, great. And it comes like the team in hitting that year too. I think it was But sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. But two ninety seven. I eh, probably. I, I mentioned, mentioned it. Uh, I'll oh, say about Michael Barrett. Heard. Michael Barrett hit three hundred seven. Uh, Derek Lee at two. And he had enough at bats. Okay. Oh yeah, fine. Just fine. Juan Pierre hit, only hit five points less. Two ninety two. Jack I'm Jones two eighty five. Those those oh six. Or I look at the wrong year. They were, yeah, they were all bunched up around uh, two eighty two ninety. How about that? Team. Sixty six yeah, and ninety six. That was the the bottom foul. That was the Przinsky. That was all right. Dusty. It was so bad that that was when they actually got rid of McPhail. They, they actually Tribune was actually compelled to fucking finally get rid of McPhail at the end of that season. So, but of course they were they were uh, clearing they were clearing the runway to sell the team. And Sam Zell slides in and it's a blank yeah. check for new president John McDonough and That's Jim Henry. And they go out I, and they spend it. I don't think I don't think McDonough signed uh, Soriano. McDonough didn't come around for another year. McDonough was still at the Hawks in 07, 08, I know. So just point of fact. But yes. That was uh, always the thing, was that he did he no, went ahead he, and did he it. Gave, he gave he gave the money to Henry. They hired he, he hired McDonough was another sort of a brassy move, but like he just gave the money to Henry to spend, and then McDonough came on board the following year. Well, no, McDonough had been there. He'd been the marketing dude. I'm sorry. He left. McDonough, yeah, I'm sorry. I have it backwards. Thank God. What the hell's wrong with me? McDonough left for the Hawks in 07 08. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, McDonough was there. McDonough left yeah. after was, the 07 season. McDonough got That was the only year he was president, right? Was 07? Yeah, that's. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm all yeah. screwed up. McDonough got promoted. He fought, that Carnival Barker finally actually ascended all the way to the presidency yeah. for one year when uh, McPhail was forced out. They made McDonough the president. So he starts from like selling tickets and then he moves to marketing and then, you know, does a lot of stuff. And he got the brass ring. I mean, that was great for him. But yeah, that was the one year. You're right. Uh, Sam bought the team. There was McDonough. Here's a shitload of money. Perfect for McDonough because then he got out and got another nice deal. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely right. McDonough gives them McDonough and Henry bring in Soriano, who I guess I sad to say I don't know if we have to bump 
Sarge Matthews out, out of the number three spot, but I think now we well, got we another. Need to look at, see, I always liked okay. Alfonso, but me too. So he shows up in 07. He's and he's supposed to be the the solution in center field. Center he's field, the long. Yeah. Finally, we've got our center fielder. Wow, he had yeah, been moved sure. from second base to left field. Frank Robinson had to like he refused to play in a um, in a spring training game. He refused to go to left. For Frank Robinson. Yes, because he was a second baseman. He didn't want to move. At the next night, he finally played. He played in one in uh, in Orlando, where the against the Braves. And my dad and I were there. We just happened to oh. be there. We saw Alfonso Soriano standing in the left field. Oh. Um, but the Cubs are like, well, he's an, he's an athlete. And uh, new manager Lou Pinella is like, yeah, I can teach him how to play center field. That'll be great. And um, they put him in center field, and he runs around for a little while, and then he he's bad, and he hurts himself. And when he comes back, he's a left fielder. And he's a left fielder for the next, what, seven seasons? He was there a lot longer than I remembered. He, well, it was a big contract. Oh, seven to thirteen. Because he didn't yeah. get traded until the end of his final year, right? To the Yankees. I think that's like they correct. They never shipped him. Like they didn't, they couldn't eat any no. of it. They finally, his final season. They well, yeah, the yeah, because they they were playoff contenders the first two seasons, and then Medio they hovered in 09, and then the bottom starts falling out, and the team is so. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, you, absolutely. They were kind of like just kind of, you, you know, there were too many years on the deal still to move them. I mean, his numbers, like in 07, he had 33 homers, 70 RBIs, uh, 19 stolen bases. And and his September was blazing. He went went crazy. He's the reason they made the playoffs. He literally carried them. And that's why they signed him. Um, Let's look at his September. I think he had 13 home runs in September. He led off a whole shitload of games with him. Yeah, I am looking at it now, and like I'm, I was in a rush to bump Sarge out of the way, but like Jesus, just looking at the war though, man, right. those last four years. All right, so this was his September was in 2007. In 28 games, he hit 14 home runs, 14 homers, 27 RBIs, 320, 354, 754, and then in two playoffs with the Cubs, he got one hit. Right? Yeah, uh, I think so. I believe Chuck would be more than happy to tell us. Three hits. I know. They only played played six games. One hit 143 against the uh, Diamondbacks and 071 against the Dodgers. Because of his seven years, because of his uh, first two excellent years, because of his yeoman's effort getting in the playoffs, uh, I'm going to at least put him in an eye with Sarge because Sarge got in the playoffs in 84. It's not going to matter because I see a name up above that I'm probably going to put ahead of both of them. I mean, I guess the 2012 season is like – like nobody remembers it. Oh no, I don't. I blocked. He had thirty-two you know, homers and drove in hundred and eight runs for the Cubs. That's incredible. And yet he still only had a point nine WAR. Yeah. Was he just terrible in the outfield by the end? Is that what's dragging his WAR down? It has to be because so in in his seven seasons with the Cubs, he had a total WAR of eight point three, and he had it was what was the first year four point four point three. Yeah, more than half of it came in the first year. Yeah. And six point three after two. Yeah, yeah. he was never Incredible. terrible. His numbers for the Cubs uh, in seven years: he had one hundred eighty-one homers, five hundred twenty-six RBIs. He had two sixty-four. He'd never got on base. Three seventeen. So like four ninety-five. He was a cool guy. His teammates loved him. Yep. Um. Yeah, in twenty thirteen, he went. 
He played really well for the Yankees, right? Yeah, he did. 58 games with the Yankees, 17 homers and 50 RBIs. He did 17 homers with 51 RBIs for the Cubs in 93 games. Oh. Um, and what did they get for him? Anything? They got uh, Corey Black. Oh, I remember that relief pitcher. I could have, I could have thought I was waiting to drop Corey Black's name. I kept waiting for Corey Black to to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So his wars by year: four point three. 2.0 minus 1.6 0. 2011 his war was 0. Yeah. 1.9 and 12 despite that huge uh year. Yeah, the offensive production. 0.9 and 13. But 2014 they hand over left field to one of my favorite Cubs of all time. The great Chris Cleveland. Next. Ugh. I mean that's so Hoglin did two cool things in his career, only one of which with the Cubs. With the Cubs, diving he did the, the thing where he, he was calling timeout and the up didn't give it to him and he got a base yes. and drove in a run. That was legitimately yes. cool. And then jumping over Yachty with the Blue Jays, I think, yes. right? Yes. And scoring a He run. was fine. Yeah. It's a fun trivia question that he was actually uh, in the starting lineup for game one of the 2016 World Series. Isn't it? They had to get him back. So yeah. in tw- after 2015... They traded him for uh, Aaron Brooks, not the Aaron Brooks who played quarterback for the Saints. Um, and then Schwarber gets hurt, and Solaire is bad, and they need and they decided they needed a left-handed bat, and they trade they brought him back. Here I was like so happy he was gone. Like someday they'll do this to me with Ian Happ. They'll trade him and then and then they'll get yeah. him back. And I'm like, oh fuck. And then he's there to jump around and ruin all the you know all the World Series pictures, because he gets right in the middle of all of them, and he's jumping up and down. Right. Um, he right. did... He Remember, he injured that the pirate shortstop? Yes, the Asian... The dude, the, who then the turned pirates. out to be a real scumbag, and he had a bunch of DUIs, yes. and he killed somebody in a car accident, so all of a sudden, a he didn't, he didn't feel so bad. He didn't feel bad anymore? Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so it's not all the dead in the negative ledger. And he... He saved, he saved the World Series in 2016. Um, we owe it all to, to Chris Coughlin because so David Ross calls all fastballs, and yes, Rajay Davis, yes, Rajay Davis documented. hits a home run, ties right. the game. Ross walks in the ninth. Coughlin gets a pitch. Oh, Coughlin, yes, gets Ross out of the game. Miguel Montero comes in. Yes, and then and calls then the, an actual is able right. to get through the ninth. So Chris Coughlin, that's the one thing he did. He, he all right, did. yeah, I called Danny the faint praise. So in 2016, they're handing over left field to our large yeah. adult son, Josh Warber. It lasts two games. Yep. He blows his knee it out. Is, but it's it like, that's, funny that, that's no problem. We got Jorge Soler. Well, we need to that, give him a bats yeah. anyway. Well, and it is funny that Soler does wind up being the first regular, you know, technically, according to this, the first left fielder in a Cubs World Series winning team since Jimmy Shepard yep. uh, in 108 years, uh, as it turns but, out. But, yeah, Soler, 
Um, I always loved, I always feel Jorge Soler is a little bit of a forgotten cub because what he did in the playoffs in 2015, I think sometimes gets overlooked. And I don't know why, because he absolutely just shoved it up the Cardinals high. He set a major league mark by reaching base. I think his first nine, he blew that record on the water. His first nine postseason at bats, he reached base. And he continued to like like hit homers against the Mets till you know he kind of cooled off and had to wear uh you know a baklava, and then he just couldn't get going. And the thing is, like they they they're upgrading from him. They brought in Hayward, so it was like yeah. it's still because he you know so there get hurt and he just wasn't like the all around ball player that we uh, ideally hope. But still, like what he, his role in the ascension of the team. Um, it's just like I will never think anything bad about well, Jorge. And in 2015, I don't even think of him as left field. In right field, yeah, he, he threw out to, he threw out Tony Cruz. Yeah. The yeah. the Cardinals were about to take the lead in Game Four. Yes, and he threw right. Cruz out at home plate. It was a, that was a long, perfect throw. It was a yes. great throw. And then Jorge so, was World Series MVP for the Braves. Yes, I know. It's like so. Larry and Schwarber have had the best careers. Post-World post Series of all those guys. Now, it's here's, funny. A, I mean, here's the craziest thing about left field in 2016. Jorge is listed here on the baseball reference page we're looking at as playing the most games, but he didn't. The reason he's listed first is the guy who did actually also played the most games at third base. Chris Bryant played in uh, 60 games in left field in 19... In, in 2016. Now, his yeah. war was 7.3 that year. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that, of course, yeah, would be the yeah. highest war by any Cub left fielder ever. <laughs> but that doesn't count because uh, it's also the highest nah. war by any third baseman ever. Uh, but here were the guys who played left field for the 2016 Cubs. Chris Bryant, Jorge Soler, Matt Caesar, Ben Zobrist, Chris Coughlin, Wilson Contreras, Albert Alamora, Travis Wood, Three games in left field. Yeah, Travis. Wade. But like so many of those names bring back warm memories. And like Bias. earlier in left field, Javi Baez played as many games in left field as Kyle Schwarber. Two. Ryan Kalish, Kyle Schwarber, David Patton. Oh, really? Pitcher. pitcher David Patton and and Pedro Strope. Three pitchers played left field for the Cubs. I'm still mad for it. A lot, a lot of good names though there. Like you know, comparing it to some earlier flats, Sam, that you were reading, like in like the names like Scott Thompson and Jerry you could Morales. Make a pretty like, decent lineup out of the guys the Cubs played left. That's field. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a good way to like almost. I know we're getting to the end here. That's a good way to almost kind of wrap it up. That the World Series team actually just had a parade of great players playing left field. 2017, um, they were finally able to handle the job over to the guy they tried to give it to in 2016 and Kyle Schwarber yep. would be the primary left fielder the next four seasons even though one of those mm-hmm. in 2017 he had to spend a little time in Iowa yes and it was a roller coaster and left uh his yeah. wars 0. 0.1 2.1 2.3 0.1 in the four years yeah yeah not great Bob still one of my favorites probably my favorite I don't know it's hard to pick one, but at first I'm like, I'm putting that guy ahead of Rick Stevenson. I can't do that. Stevenson at least played in two World Series. Schwarber in the World Series is a hero, but not as a left fielder. Um, I'm still going to find a way for him in the top five. But yeah, all those left field innings are basically all post-World Series. They're fun, though. He did a lot of good shit. So uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I've got... Uh, 
I, I can't remember any of the 20th century guys. We're pretty much, I'm just going here with uh, Billy Williams and Rick Stevenson. Got to keep Sarge in there. You got to keep Soriano. I'm putting Schwarber in there. I'm not sure if anyone else uh, deserves to make that top five cut, but Schwarber, man. Well, our last two then. Yeah, um, I don't care what this motherfucker does the next four. He's not making my top five. 2021, so. the primary left fielder was Jack Peterson. His oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to minus, skip Jack. I, minus point yeah. two. Fuck that he guy. got traded, and then Ian Happ took over left field. And Ian Happ the last and two years. Um, I see Ian's putting up some solid war there. His left, war 4.4 so. and 3.0. And so before so, we get to ranking, I, I, I did this. I, okay, I pulled out. Good. Here's a list of all of the guys who had wars in a season for the Cubs of of better than four in left field. Okay. Jimmy Ryan, Jimmy Slagle, Jimmy Shepard, of course. The three Jimmys. Rig Stevenson did it three times. Yep. Augie Galan, Augie Galan. Is that what we said? We said Augie's oh, name? Yeah. Augie Galan, He yeah. had a six in 1935. All right. For a Sauer, Richie Ashburn. Yeah. Billy Williams wow. six times. Wow. The only guys who did it more than once are Riggs and Billy. Okay. Dave Kingman, Moises Alou, Alfonso Soriano, and Ian Happ in 2022. Fonzie only once. That's 19 four-war seasons in 125 years. That's not good. Okay. Now, no. here's, now here's the guys who got three war seasons. You think that should be a really big list, right? It's fewer. These are guys you only had to get up to three point nine. Oh my god! Oh my god! And three of them are Abner Dalrymple before nineteen before eighteen eighty six. We probably shouldn't even count him. George Van Haltren in in eighteen eighty nine. Guys, you don't know. So now we got another Jimmy Schlegel. He so he did it okay. twice. Right, he over three jump jump corners. Uh, Jimmy Shecker did it twice, so he's got three of better than three. Yeah, Riggs. Yep. Add two more rigs in, so now he's got five. He's up to five. Yep. Chuck Klein in 34. Augie. Sauer. All right, so Augie's got so two those guys all have two. Moose Morin in 58. All right. Uh, Billy adds another to the six, so he's got seven now. Seven. And then Henry Rodriguez and Hap. That's it. Since 1980, wow. the Cubs have only had five left field Three war seasons. Forty-three that, years. Five left fielders put up three. Put up a three war in left field. It's not including the ones that also have a four. But then, when you even if you add no, those that's two together, them, because it's here's the here's the whole well, list. Five unique, five unique players. Right, but this is the whole thing, and, and none of them ever did it more than once. Oh, Hap did it twice. Hap's the only one to do it more than once. It's Henry Rodriguez. Moises Alou, Alfonso Soriano, and Hap twice. That's it. Since, so since Kingman finish. did it in 79. It's just those five. Right, the finish between so three So since and four. Billy, they've only had six ever. And Billy left right. in 1973. But yeah, but those those are five that have finished between a three and a four. Those right? are three, three or greater. Yeah, That includes okay. the fours. Yeah. That's it. It's bad. Yeah. Even by left field standards. Left field is supposed to be yeah. where it's supposed to be the easiest place to put offense because yeah. they don't really need to play defense and the Cubs can't do it. 
I mean, they literally won a World Series go. without an everyday left fielder. They just didn't have that's one. That's right. They just well, played the whole team the out part. there, and it worked. But that's also the point of left field. The Phillies won their that's first true. World Series in history with Greg Lozinski in left field. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what you're yeah. supposed to do, Not- right? You just find a guy who can hit, and you don't worry about it. Right. The Cubs have tried that. Right. That doesn't work. And then they've tried guys who could play it, and it didn't work. Sure. All right. So now, yeah, let's see. What do we do? We did five, five, well, for, for five just, center fielders. I was trying to whittle it down to something. Yeah, we did five, and from memory, I believe it was uh, it was Jimmy Ryan, Hack Wilson, Andy Pasco, Bob Dernier, and Dexter Fowler. I think we left Monday off, but if not, he would have been six. I'm pretty sure those were the those were the center fielders. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, there's nobody from the prior 20th century that makes a case like Jimmy Ryan did for center in my book. Um, but I think definitely Riggs and Billy. Like we, that's pretty. Just you know, Billy didn't play in any World Series. That wasn't his fault. But those are probably the top two. And then it's a little bit of a Donnie Brook. So I'm, you know, I, I nominated Matthews. Maybe I was a little overzealous. He didn't. He, he had a three point two WAR, but you're saying the guys that did it twice. But yeah, maybe Matthews was just being. Oh yeah, did I missed Sarge. Really, maybe I did. I missed he had a three point two WAR. All right, so then we did six. It's not five. It's six. Much better now. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess your candidates, right, are Billy, Riggs. Uh. Hank Sauer. I guess Sauer should be there. 5.6. Yeah. Soriano. Okay. If we're doing it by war, I guess. All right. All right. And a great Ian Happ. And Ian's right outside the Coughlin. top five. I'd, huh? I'd put Coglin before I'd go with Happ. Yeah. I'd put well, George I... Bell before I go with Happ. One year of mediocrity. Uh, or Jerry Mumphrey. Okay. Eh, I'm good. putting Sauer. Yeah. I'm putting so mine would, be, mine would be, I think, be Billy... Riggs, Brian Dayette, Chris Bryant. I like the Brian angle. Javi Baez. Yeah. All right. I'll go uh, Billy Riggs, not the guy that uh, lost the Billy Jean King. Was that his name Billy Riggs? <laughs> um, no, what is it? Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby Riggs. Bobby, Bobby Riggs. Riggs. All right. No, I'm going with Billy Riggs. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to fucking obscure left field that we haven't somehow mentioned tonight because we basically combed through. Uh, oh, Ryan Friel played left. Yeah, oh, Kevin Roberson. Kevin Roberson, my guy. Robin Jennings. Uh, yeah. were all those. Scott, Scott Bullitt. Bullitt. I'm sure Scott Bullitt played left. I'm, I guarantee he did. No, I think yeah. The question is yeah. Who are the next three after those first two? And I'm just gonna. I have to put Soriano on there. That September was huge. And I saw it, and for the same reason, I'm going to say because of Sarge's 84, that's the same reason we let Fowler be in the top five for center fielders, even though he was only here for two years. So I'm putting Soriano. It's a postseason thing, folks. Soriano, Schwarber, and uh, and and Matthews. So sorry, Lou. Sorry, all you guys that put up high war. I just don't have uh, as many fond memories of you. And I realize Schwarber's a little bit in ego because all my memories of Schwarber are things he didn't really do as a left fielder, but I don't care. He was the everyday guy for four years. And I love so, him. So it's funny. I was before I uh before we did this, I was looking and Jordan Bastion from Cubs.com in twenty twenty was asked to do the top five left fielders of all time. And I remember, I looked at really? this and I laughed. I'm like, ha 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 
I can't I'm believe this is what he came this up right with. now. This was actually a thing. Already? And now he basically has the exact same list we do. Oh no! It was Billy Williams number God one. God damn it! Ah, that's fine. Yep. Rick Stevenson number yeah. two. Yep, I think that's pretty indisputable. Sorry, number three. That's why I laughed. I'm like, God, I just got it. So it's when we Soriano's third, but you know, I mean, right. I would put I, Hank right. ahead. I would put Sour ahead of Soriano. Yeah, I and then he's, I but then he's got he's got Jimmy Shepard as the fifth. Wow, did his homework. His honorable mentions yeah, he, uh, include Mark Zagunas. No, it doesn't. He's he, he did A to Z. <laughs> the list runs from Alu to Zagunas. <laughs> uh, he's got Augie. Moises, Kingman, Gary Matthews, uh, Henry Rodriguez, and Schwarber in his special mentions. Yeah, I think if I have to put Hank Sauer back in, and I don't want to leave Schwarber off, maybe I'll just... Uh, our list. We can do whatever we want. I know, I know. But come on, this is Edson Stone. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it as a top six. Hank Sauer deserves to be back on there. And Moises wasn't here long enough, and I'm still pissed about that 2 season. Yeah, but you've so, always just had a half because half's only been the primary left fielder. Two yeah, all right, so if I got to branch it out to ten, right? I want to keep half out of the top ten. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna put in a, a loose seven. And you know what? Because he was technically the World Series in the 2016 team. God damn it, Jorge Soler gets there, and uh, you know what the fuck, Jose Cardinal. There, I kept the in half out of the top ten. That was my goal. Oh, Henry, he's the tenth. I gotta tell you that. It- his his two good his two good seasons with the Cubs were really good. I know I didn't realize it better than I thought. I don't that ninety nine was a blank. I only think of ninety eight with Henry or Henry. I don't know what year no. it was. It was probably ninety nine where the Cubs for multiple games trotted out an outfield of Henry Rodriguez in left, Sammy in center, and Glenn Allen Hill in right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Did they catch a single fly ball? We didn't mention Glenn Allen Hill. I wanted just a, just a close. I mentioned Gary Matthews, like, busting his ass in game five of the playoffs, running and making a catch and tumbling and looking not graceful at all, but, like, phew. At least you got Glenn Allen in that one to nothing 98 game that Kevin Tappany was trying to hold on to till Javier Lopez. I guarantee in that game, you'd hold your breath with Glenn Allen, too, just like with Sarge. We, we love Glenn but there are a couple balls, like high, deep flies that drifted towards the foul line. He ran forever. So I just wanted to get that on the record that there's a little bit of a Starge Matthews, Glenn Allen, Compter, yeah. both on playoff teams, and uh, both gave tremendous effort and still didn't drop the ball. So, so see, but Glenn yeah. Allen, the first time he we was had, a Cub. We hadn't he mentioned had, Glenn Allen until now, which is a shame. 93, he played 18 games and left. 94, yep. he, he played 31. He played 44 oh, in yeah. center that year. Ooh. He was the opening uh, day. Uh, left his second, he came back in '98. Yes, he did. And that was 28 games and left in '98, which was of most because he didn't he didn't arrive till late. He was a yes, July. late June. Well, late June. I but think, he only played but, 34 yeah. games at all, and 28 of them were in left. Then '99, yeah. he played 37 games and left, and 26 in right. Yeah. That's when they were playing that ridiculous. And, and he, he hit the ball. In, he hit the ball on the roof, and yeah, he hit the ball on the roof in 2000. So that's some serious left field. That building out on the Waveland. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn Allen was just he was he Glenn Allen was cool. He was. He really was, man. He's like we, we ever do an episode of like the just the, the coolest Cubs. One of the funniest things I remember is Corey Patterson acting about butthurt, pretend, because uh he said that Glenn Allen Hill nicknamed him Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> the first prince. 
Yes. <laughs> I just uh, I just love that. I love everything about Glen Allen. They don't have his nickname on here. Spider Man. Spiders. What was his? Yeah. Spider Man. <laughs> One of the great stories of all time. Yeah, we should do uh, just the ten coolest Cubs. I think Glen Allen definitely be in that team photo. So. All right. Well, it was fun. Two hours. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Two I didn't, hours I didn't on know I left fielders. Left. I feel much better about all the other positions now, or maybe I shouldn't. But well, we got center and left out of the way. So yeah, uh, and center was uniquely uh, abhorrent for the Cubs. Left is a tough position. Like we said, you're going to have some flaws, Sam, in general, because it's by definition it's that one position where you hide a guy. But you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how these other ones shake out for sure. All right. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. This is rough, but it's also finished. This fitting has got to be done with one of the best games of all time. Just unbelievable. Got to congratulate the, uh, the Dolan family.